Well, greetings and welcome, all you commanders, eagles, and angels. This is Rainbird, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Taran Rama's Hard News on Friday nights on BBS Radio Station 1. So we're grateful that you're joining us here tonight. We'd like to take a few moments to just go into our heart space. So take a few gentle breaths. Now hear that calling drum. Breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, slowly, gently. And as we go into that heart space, let us gather with our guides and guardians, our totems, our healing teams, our spirit teams, our ancestors, whoever you like to join the Kimi drum with. And this is a Kimi day today. It's the white lunar world bridger. And it's a portal day, a galactic activation portal. So lots of good energy with this new moon. Okay. Now let's I see there's a council fire and it's in the center. So let's gather around that council fire. Come in close. Make that perfect circle around that fire in that virtual way we know how to do. If we call in the seven galactic directions in the Mayan tradition, Welcome from the east, the house of light. May wisdom open in the dawn that is upon us, so that we may see things clearly. We welcome from the north, the house of night. May wisdom mature among us so that we may see everything from within. And we greet from the West, the house of transformation. May wisdom be transformed into right action so we might accomplish what must be done. from the south, house of the eternal sun, a right action give us the harvest so that we might enjoy the fruits of the planetary being. We welcome from above the house of paradise where the star people and the ancestors gather. May their blessings reach us now. 
create from below the house of earth. May the beating of the crystal planet's heart bless us with its harmony so that we might end war. And we welcome from the center source of the galaxy, which is everywhere at once. May everything be recognized as the light of mutual love. Ayam Hunaku, even Maya, Imaho. Ayam Hunaku, even Maya, Imaho. Ayam Hunaku, even Maya, Imaho. All hail the harmony of mind and nature. In Lakashalakin, I am another you, you are another me. Just stay wherever that drum beat took you. As we take a few minutes to look at the Mayan calendar for today, and it's a Kimi day. The Kimi drum likes to play on Kimi days. The Kimi drum is a drum that was made from one of my goats, and his name was Kimi. And it was so fitting that he lives on today, every week, in this way, linking those, being that world bridger and linking us between the worlds and in the past and the present and the future. So that is today, and it's a portal day. We've just started 10 days in a row of these portal, galactic activation portal days. And so hang on to your hat. There's a lot of energy, that extra dimensionality that comes with each one of these days as we uh, come to the center of the the Zolkine, the the Hob. It's called H-A-A-B, the Hob. And uh, it's got 13 unials of 20 days each. So we have that 1320 going on, and it covers every one of the combinations of the tones, the daily tones, and the solar glyphs for a total of 260. We're on kin number 106. So here's a... <clears throat> so the so White World Bridger today, and, and the uh, it's, it's the White Lunar World Bridger, excuse me. So it's the lunar tone, and... <clears throat> The key words for lunar tone are stabilize, challenge, and polarize. It's uh, tone two. And the world bridger, is, <clears throat> its key words are equality, opportunity, and death. So here's the mantra for today. I polarize in order to equalize. Stabilizing opportunity. I seal the store of death with the lunar tone of challenge. I am guided by the power of endlessness. I am a galactic activation portal. 
enter me. Today is guided by the white mirror, Ed Snob, and it's occult power. Today is the blue eagle, Ben, and it's the ally today is the red skywalker. And our challenge teacher today is the yellow warrior. So we're in that fourth cycle of the day, so we're working with that occult power. And all day long we've been working with that Skywalker as our guide and the warrior as our teacher. So let's look at that a little bit closer as we look at Kimi understand Kimi. So here we are, the linker of worlds. It's a warrior aspect, and it's about working with forgiveness and moving into a state of grace. And we embrace these gifts of being that world bridger and bridging between the past and the future and that gift of transmutation with this energy. So let's let go of that which is no more. Let go of the ego, let go of any controlling behavior and that belief that life is a struggle. And that tone, lunar tone today is reminding us to stabilize and find that balance between opposites and honor the opposites as they exist for what they offer us. So then moving along, Tomorrow, another portal day. We've got ten of them in a row, and all every every day in this entire week is going to be a galactic activation portal. So, this is extra dimensionality coming into our daily life. <laughs> this rhythm, and so it's a three Monique on Saturday. Monique is a healing energy. And it's working with our healing ourselves and and others and creating contentment and peace and accepting the divinity of ourselves. So we embrace the gifts of being that healer of humankind, that ability to open the doors as we let go of any distractions or belief in inadequacy and let go of procrastination (laughs) as we embrace these energies tomorrow, and as we do our work tomorrow. And then on Sunday is the four Lamont, the yellow self-existent star. And Lamont is a visionary aspect, the star energy, that stargate. So we're working with the illumination of humankind with this and opening that stargate. So we embrace the gifts of that journeying, that pioneer spirit, that having the power to see beyond the gate, and let go of any dissonance or any self-doubt as we embrace these energies on Sunday. And then on Monday, it's a five-minute look, the red overtone moon, another galactic activation portal, and an artist aspect the moon is. So we're working with that wise use of rational mind. We're accepting spirit's direction, listening, what, what is, what's needed. And we have those gifts of uh, contact with spirit. So we remember what we came here to do. We know that universal mind is our mind. 
and telepathy is our gift. So let's let go of any insensitivity or any attachment to omens or any self-doubt as we embrace these energies on Monday. And then on Tuesday, moving right along, it's a six-ox, another galactic activation portal. It's the artist aspect. And we're working with unconditional love with the dog energy. So healing the pain of the past and embracing these gifts of contact with our spirit guides, that awareness of destiny, that awareness of past lives, and that good old doggone loyalty to humankind that (laughs) that the dog teaches us. So let's let go of any fears or any unwise use of anger as we embrace these energies on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, it's Another galactic activation portal. It's a chewing the red, the blue resonant monkey. So this is an artist aspect, also. So we're working with balancing work and play, paying attention to clarity of mind in that wise use of magical artistry. So embrace these gifts of innocence and spontaneity, that ability to play. That the monkey shows us how how to do in humor and laughter. It's very healing. It activates everything in your body when you laugh. So go for it big time (laughs) with this galactic activation portal. As we let go of any insensitivity or any jadedness or any resistance to compassion or any mistrust, we embrace these energies on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, it's the yellow galactic human and eight ebb. Ebb is a human, so it's a healing aspect. So we're working with enlightenment of humankind, and we're activating cosmic consciousness with this energy, and we're attuning to spirit. So we embrace these gifts of that being that human servant warrior and the gifts of abundance and that gift of contact with other dimensions and certainly doing it with all these galactic portal days. So... Let's let go of any dependence on the analytical mind as we embrace these energies on Thursday. And we come back on Friday. It's a nine bend. Another galactic activation portal, the red solar Skywalker. That Skywalker energy is a warrior aspect. And we work on focus and striving towards self-illumination and clarity as we embrace the gifts that strength and that ability to bend direct dimensions. So let's let go of any resistance to face or any belief in aloneness as we embrace these energies on Friday, and we'll talk about it some more when we get there. Working with that nine tone, that activation of the three threes, it's very... <clears throat> It's the solar tone, and it really gets a lot done, which is good. <laughs> so there you go. That's the up, update of the galactic record of days in the Mayan way. <clears throat> in the galactic way, the Mayan <laughs> record of days. I kind of turned that around a little. Anyway, I'm going to change my hat. Just stay wherever you are as I <laughs> do this. Do the housekeeping as we are a listener-supported radio program. It's each of us that make it happen. And we're holding steady. We owe about the same amount this week for BBS radio as we did last week at $247.83. 
so <clears throat> just keep it coming because we're uh, getting it. That that's how we get it done. Here's how we do it: you go into your heart space and see what is yours to give, and then go to bbsradio.com. Click on radio station one for this program and two for the one on Saturday. And we have a program on Thursdays that's also on Radio Station One. So both of those Radio Station One uh, shows are at the 8 o'clock hour, listed at the 8 o'clock hour. So as you go to the website, you'll see the schedule there. Click on that and look for Radio Station One, 8 o'clock hour, Thursday and Friday. You will see an icon there on Thursdays, the night at the round table with a silent K. <laughs> Very silent. <laughs> and that's with the panel and you can click on that icon there that'll take you directly to our account and then this program the hard news on Friday nights with Tara and Rama that's at the 8 o'clock hour if you click on that icon that'll take you to our account and you can make a donation in any amount thank you for taking that action this is how we get together each week this way so lots of gratitude for every one of you thank you thank you thank you and then the, the Saturday program is at the one thirty, no, 3.30 hour. Uh, these are all central times. And um, it is the true history, history of Nasera and our galactic origins. And it goes all day. It's a great show. We'd love to have you join us for that one. Um, so as you click on that icon there, that also takes you to our account. That's on the radio station, too. Okay. So that's everything. Um, we spent some time figuring it out, and <laughs> we we can get it. We just need to keep picking on it, making sure that we get some money sent to our account with BBS Radio. So 13, thank you, signing in the heart. Thank you for taking that action. We're so grateful. We're also assisting Tara and Rama with their needs, and they still have an electric bill that was due last week, and it needs to be paid. That electric bill is $150.31, and they also need money for living expenses, a couple hundred dollars. And um, there's also a GoFundMe account, and I'm not prepared to tell you about that because I haven't got... um, I have I, I didn't do my homework and get that information. So <laughs> what I'm going to do is see if Tara can share it later and uh, how to find the GoFundMe and what it's for. Um, for but it's for for a car. It's, they need a car and they need a repair. They have bills to pay to the mechanic already. So as we can get something in there, that's really important. So I'll let Tara give us that GoFundMe address. And um, that's it. So (laughs) we are grateful for every one of you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for participating in that way and gifting. Uh, So much gratitude. So here's how we do the uh, contribution to Tara and Rama. You want to go to the web address, which is rainbowroundtable.net and click on the menu grid near the bottom of the list that drops down. You'll see the donate link. Click on that. That takes you to the Rainbow Roundtable site at PayPal. And there you can make that donation in any amount. 
And there is a friend's option there. As you look for the little heart, that's the friend's option. And that just eliminates the commercial charges. But you have to put in Rama's address for that email address there. In that address, Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 9999 at hotmail.com. And then that's a good way to do it. So thank you. Either way is perfect. We're great. Grateful, grateful, grateful for your contributions. Lots of gratitude. And um, as you're sending something, please let Rama know. Uh, send an email to him in that email address for that message. is Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 999, at net. And then if you need it, the mailing address is Ram D. Berkowitz, R-A-M. D. Berkowitz, B-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z, or Z. Post Office Box 280-280, and that's in Santa Cruz, New Mexico. 87567 is the zip. I'll say it again. Santa Cruz, New Mexico, 87567. So there you have it, all the information that you need for those contributions. And and again, so much gratitude um, for participating in this way. And we like, we like new people joining us. We can always use that. So if you're called, please uh, take that action and make that, make that donation. We're really, really, really grateful. So lots of gratitude. 13 thank yous, honey, in the heart. And I'm passing this talking stick on this beautiful new moon day. Uh, And what's it got? Sounds like we lost you, Rainbird. (laughs) Okay. That went really fast for me, but I'm just slow today. I will just say that I, as far as we know, the uh, GoFundMe is not working yet. So my suggestion is that you send it to the PayPal and you let, for you know, when you when it's set, it, you can say what it's for. Yes. And say it's for, um, you know, paying back. Um, the uh, our uh, paying back uh, the car repair cost. Yes. Of uh, actually, it's uh, it's uh, twelve hundred dollars because we got a little break there for from one of one of our friends who yes. put that money out. So praise, respect, thank, and love that. So we uh, owe twelve hundred dollars. That's that. And um, regarding that $150.31, it would really be good to get that paid. It was due back on the 10th, yeah. and today's the uh, 19th. <laughs> so they're stretching themselves in the waiting game for that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and the... Uh, 
I'm not sure what that is. Rainbow is back with us. Oh, you're back, Rainbow. Okay. I've been jabbering. Oh, great. Well, I was done just trying to hit a talking stick, and it went into the ethers like a kimi, like a kimi <laughs> would. <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's a definitely a very powerful talking stick. So be careful with it. Okay, okay. I promise. <laughs> I was also going to say the energies are beyond the beyond. Yes. Today, and if you feel like you're not sure where you are, uh, there's a good reason for that, because we're somewhere in the fifth dimensional realm. Yeah, although I we may not understand what that means so we gotta really um stay in a high vibe i have been moving through dimensions and it is a challenge i must say it it is yeah stretched to put it mildly (laughs) yet i just wanted everybody to know that um micah has introduced us today uh, to some very uh, clear instructions to be participating. And, uh, well, the new gen, uh, re- as you've got some coins, uh, there's a method where you can get them into um, out of new gen coins and into Ethereum, and then you can retrieve them and turn them back into money. Yes. And I believe that will, I'm not sure if it's up there again, but the uh, it was recorded, the whole call. So as you miss that or you want to listen again, it'll be up there within a reasonable time here. I'm not sure if it's up there yet. I haven't had a chance to look. But um, it, anyway, it's at nftrewards.biz as you need further instructions. This is, again, I should just repeat, it's really going to work. And it's the way it's set up, it never ends. And everybody gets paid every single day. And for a while, it's going to mean that the best way where you want to increase how much you're making every day, the, st- the money that you do, do make, hang on to it and then put it back in to increase... Uh, every day what you make uh, until you're satisfied with what you're making every day and then you can start spending some of the extra. So it's like a savings account with a boost, (laughs) you might say, for the moment. But um, that being said, um, those of us who've been waiting for new gen to release itself, it's done so now. So uh, there's a way to access your new gen coins. So that could be very helpful. In the meantime, I just wanted to make it clear that this, uh, this Sunday will be the end of the third week. It'll be the 21st. And so... Um, we have 265.67 towards the first week. So we need 23.33, good number, 369.11. That's a law 11. That's uh, as above, so below. That's, that's a dual world, you know, the fifth dimension and leaving the third dimension behind. So we're 
cleaning up old bills, you might say. But uh, that would be great to get that completely squared away. And then it's two thirty four fifty for the second week because we got a half off for a Saturday show, West Saturday. So that's good. And then again by Sunday there'll be another two eighty nine due. And all these are including thirty dollars each week extra because we didn't pay for February at all. And uh, there's we did this last month too, so there's $120 that went towards February from last month, and then it'll be another $120 towards February from this month, and it'll be all the way to the end of December. Yet I am suspicious of the idea that this uh, program, this NFT Rewards, is going to bring uh, much more incoming amounts to everybody every day so that we will be able to uh, come to a balance point with this, uh, uh, what we've been going through. And our vehicle's doing very well. It's not smoking. It's nice and humming like a top. And Sapphire Blue is a happy camper on the road uh, for the now moments. I know you still got to get a rim and a tire. And he drinks a bit of oil still. Oh. Yeah. It's not as much as it was before, though, right? Oh, every three days i got to put oil in. What can I say? In other words, what Caroline was saying, it's an absolute necessity to start saving to get something else. Yeah. Um, And one step in front of the other. So thank you. I just wanted to make that clear. And. I'm going is to pass is it, it just the four hundred and ninety-six dollars then, or is there uh, there's a repair bill in there, Mm-mm. or um, or tow or anything like that from when it died, from when Sapphire died, blue, blue Sapphire. Well, it, um, uh, it the whole bill, including the four hundred that we needed to pay back from February, added up to fourteen hundred dollars. Okay, and, so you got a, something cost you a thousand dollars when it broke down, then. Um. N- no, I mean when it broke down, we have uh, we have a uh, auto insurance, and so they came and they towed Rama's car to the ET's place. Okay, so there wasn't much charge for looking at it and fixing it. Well, the whole thing of looking at it, the labor and and the parts and the repair came to fourteen hundred dollars with and what you already owed. For you, you, so it was a thousand dollars plus four hundred and ninety six. Is that right? Mm. Well, we didn't. Four hundred ninety six was past due for the, and that yeah, buys a spare tire for it. Yeah. You still want to buy that spare tire? Yeah, because you're yes. trying to find something else. How good are your tires? Rama. All the tires are okay at the moment, but yeah, I do need a spare. Yeah, this, really. It's, the yeah. spare is really bald. It's it's plain yeah, it's old. one it's, of those donut spares. <laughs> it's really bald. It's not okay. Yeah, it's not okay. Well, I, mean, I know the spare is not okay, but you don't need it if you're trying to find another car. Is what I'm saying. If you're trying to find yeah. another car, you can wing it. 
Well, what E.T. said is this car is good for another six months. That's what he said. Yeah. It's, it's in good, great shape, and you take but care of it. But I, I see money coming your way really, really soon to be able to buy any car you want to get. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. So, um, the um, yeah, I know it's late. Um, I I think Rama needs to um, thank you everyone. I think Rama needs to tell us what he learned. Yes, thank you. We are so grateful to be here. Um, I received a text message from Mister X today at twelve oh nine, and um, he said for the first time in twelve years, Bashar al Assad has shown up. And uh, Mr. Crown Prince MBS invited him to Saudi Arabia to kind of give a, a friendlier face to the Arab League and the Middle East because there are many countries that want peace. They don't want war yet. Israel is the biggest issue, and behind Israel is our empire, the USA, not mine, but what can I say? <laughs> no, don't, you don't need to own that. No. no. <laughs> uh, but it takes the whole world to get it together now. Yes. No more war. No more war. That game plan is so old, and yeah. I don't think that... Um, in general, people are worn out from that game. Yes. People want some peace. Mr. X said that the, also that the solar flares have been moving back and forth between M-class, X-class, you know, give or take each day, and there are coronal holes opening up in the sun. And just imagine how many Earths can fit into the size of one of those coronal holes. It's just huge. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's when the coronal holes open, beings come through because the sun is a portal. It's a conscious living being, just like the moon, just like Earth, just like all the planets. And our sun is no different. And, these beings that are coming through are helping to raise the energy so we can ascend with peace and good vibrations rather than a, uh, the old story about uh, revelations. You know, that's canceled. We don't need to have a wrestling match on the plains of Megiddo. I don't think Admiral Sananda Kumar is in the mood for that. <laughs> yes, that, you bring up an important point that <clears throat> it's time not to play the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth game at all anymore. No. And war is never the answer. Mama's been getting that in his ear from the Faction Three White Knights for years now. Yeah, and it filters down right into what we're watching 
right here today with the grand old pedophile party playing with the ideas that, uh, you know, they don't like drag shows. They don't like people who are different, whether they're from space or from Earth. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um, place of violent fire. And it's been 12 years since Syria's been back with the Arab family. Yes, this is a big move by Syria. And there's a lot of... Well, it wasn't just by Syria. Uh, Mohammed bin Salman said, come back. Yeah. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah, and Blaze of Violet Fire, MBS has got his own, you know demons to deal with, and I'll leave it there. Yeah, Bashar al-Assad was suspended from the Arab League, uh, and that was due to the civil war in his country. And, again, they've been saying they don't want to do anything more with settling things with war. Iran's pretty, pretty bad shape there. They executed three young men yes. and it was no, there was no real trial or anything and uh, I, this is a pretty major violation um, and then you've got to be clear this, this Zelensky guy is a real dirtball mm. he's lying and he's asking for assistance from Saudi Arabia to support you know the war in Ukraine the war in Ukraine no, to support the Ukraine side of the war, but yeah. see, the Saudis are are receiving from Russia all kinds of stuff, uh, and 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 I don't think Russia or Saudi Arabia or any of the other, um, you know, um, what's the name of that group that's got uh, China, the BRICS, BRICS, yeah, B Brazil, Russia. India, India, China, and South Africa are involved too. They uh, they don't want war. They that no. group wants this to be a peaceful. And it looks like um, you know China is ahead of the United States. Period. Right now, uh, they don't want to admit that, but uh, this idea of a race. Uh, and polarity, polarizing things like that. That's what's being dealt with now. Negotiation, diplomacy, and uh, ending, you know, we, we talked about this a long time ago, but bringing it back now that it would be preferable to have a basket of currencies for the base of the global economy rather than the dollar. The dollar is falling out of favor with Everybody, this bully in the neighborhood has got to stop. And uh, we know that that war in Ukraine was a creation of this bully in Washington, D.C. So it's not about who's winning. It's about everybody wins. And everybody wins with a peace and a collaboration and uh, Professor Wolf has some good things to say when we get to that. Uh, what else, Sean? Um I can just say that I only saw three deer today and two crows. It was raining. 
Oh, Most. boy, the water was up to the door. It was about to come in the house. It, uh, Caroline was telling us yesterday that they got a deluge over there in El Dorado. And then Rama said, you know, there was a deluge up there north and, north and west of us. Yeah. And we got the deluge this morning. Uh, I mean, it rained so hard and just so intently at one time. All of the area on front and back was covered with water. Yeah. The whole place. And I'm going, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, just in the nick of time, it stopped doing that. And everything's okay. But, uh, it's kind of a sign of the time. You know, there's a deluge of things going on in all areas right now. So the first law of love is? Be calm. <laughs> Good, Robin, good. All right, I think it's time to give the number, and we'll go to the conference call. Oh, we got a few more minutes. Oh, okay. What else? Um, Brittany Grimer uh, came back to the WNBA today. She got herself a nice little fro, got a haircut. Yeah. I kind of like this the other way, but she's been through a lot, and she's a new woman. So anyway, that was very warmly welcomed. She was very warmly welcomed. And it's the first time since February of 2022 uh, when she got, you know, arraigned in Moscow, put in a prison there. So that's a long time. And what else? Uh, there was a, a, a comment that now that uh, BG is back, I mean, even when she left, she w- in, in 2021, she was the best player in the whole league. And then this 2023, February, and all the way till now. So she, I am expecting her to, to show herself as the best again. Uh, all right, so that's good. And today, Malcolm X was born. 98 years ago. That's right. On May 19th, uh, 2025. And it's a full moon. New moon in Taurus, excuse me. (laughs) Yes, there's going to be lots of sharing. And Caroline's got a great message. We'll get that tomorrow. But, um, you know, we're doing good work. We're opening the, the way, uh, uh, in the fifth dimension, dimensional way of being on Earth, and it's a really wonderful experience. Like for me, I can say that. What do you say, Ron? Yeah, every day the the beings are just. I mean, it, it's it's an amazing time to be alive. At the same time, a bit freaky because. There is this crystallization of the energies, like Aurora Ray is saying, you know, what side are you going to be on with this story? I'm saying it's called the Office of the Christ. That's right. And yeah. only in the Office if of the Christ. If there was to be a side. Well, yeah. that's not really a side. It's just that. It's a place, it's the neutral, high heart neutrality. Yeah. Love and compassion to all the situations going on. I 
I listen to words. <laughs> I think that's those are those those are the two words that His Holiness Dalai Lama always brings up: yes. love and compassion. Okay, let's have the phone numbers, Rama, for our um seven two zero seven one six seven three zero one. And the pin code is three five three eight six three pound. Yes. And um I guess we'll take our break now. And we'll see you back here on BBS Radio after our conference call at the top of the next hour. Uh, and so join us on the conference call, everyone. Namaste for now.
precious heart, thank you for joining us for our weekly vlog. This month, Mother Mary is guiding us through powerful initiations every night when we enter her temple of the Immaculate Heart in our finer bodies after we go to sleep. Today, we have been given an activity of light that will help each of us to assimilate these initiations on a more conscious level. If you have the heart call to participate, please join with me and lightworkers around the world now. And we begin. I am my I am presence and I am one with the I am presence of all humanity. What I invoke for myself this day, I invoke on behalf of every man, woman and child on earth in perfect alignment with each person's divine plan and the highest good for all concerned. On my newly balanced and elevated masculine and feminine holy breath, my Father, Mother, God are now able to infuse every breath I take with a divine intelligence that is preparing me and all of humanity for the unparalleled shift of energy, vibration, and consciousness that lightworkers around the world will co-create this year. I now breathe this divine intelligence in and out deeply and rhythmically through my heart chakra. With every outbreath, my Father, Mother, God, open my heart chakra to new breaths and project their divinely intelligent will and power and their divinely intelligent comprehensive love into the heart flames of every son and daughter of God on earth. As the full divine potential of my mother God's pink flame of comprehensive divine love, and my Father God's blue flame of divine will and power merge through my expanding heart chakra, a brand new frequency of divine intelligence is being infused into the violet flame of God's infinite perfection. On my in-breath, this new frequency of divinely intelligent violet flame extends up in vibration, piercing into the very heart and mind of my Father, Mother, God, the source of never-ending perfection. On the outbreath, this sacred fire radiates the blessings from the heart and mind of God into the physical plane of Earth to assist all life evolving on this precious planet. On every in-breath, this newly empowered violet flame ascends into new heights of divinity. And on every out-breath, through my greatly expanded heart chakra, this divinely intelligent violet flame sends a stronger pulsation of my Father, Mother, God's blessings into the world of form. 
now with every divinely intelligent holy breath I take my awareness is ascending into the full divine potential of unity consciousness which is the very essence of the oneness of my father mother God in this enlightened state of unity consciousness I am able to easily communicate with my I am presence, my Father, Mother, God, and the entire company of heaven through the natural process of open heart and mind telepathic communication. I now know that unity consciousness is my divine birthright as a beloved son or daughter of God. Through this higher level of consciousness, I am one with every particle and wave of life throughout the whole of creation. As I live, move, breathe, and have my being within this divinely intelligent state of unity consciousness, I realize that the path of divine love is the way the truth and the life for every son and daughter of God. When I turn my attention to the balanced expression of my father, mother, God, now pulsating through my expanded heart chakra, the illusions of separation and duality are shattered. My heart flame is unified with all of the sons and daughters of God evolving on earth. And once again, I experience the bliss of knowing that we are one and that love is all there is. Knowing this profound truth evokes from within the deepest recesses of my being a reverent feeling of infinite gratitude. Now through unity consciousness and the full momentum of the divinely intelligent violet flame, I command through the power of the spoken word a force of God moving upon this planet. I am an upward rushing force of vibration and consciousness, which is the immortal victorious threefold flame pulsating within my heart. As I accelerate my journey toward eternal oneness with my father, mother, God, I consciously draw back to myself all of my own energies that I am so desirous of loving free. Help me, beloved Mother Mary and Saint Germain, to love myself free, all of my returning energy, as I am about the business of loving all life free. I am reclaiming all of my energies back into the heart 
of love. I am the light of God in action, loving me and all life free. I am grateful for this brand new frequency of the divinely intelligent violet flame, the most powerful aspect of my father, mother, God's love and power, which is now instantly transmuting all of my outstanding energy back into its original perfection. The light of God is always victorious and I am that light. And so it is, beloved, I am that I am. Dear one, stay focused on the opportunities that beloved Mother Mary and Saint Germain are providing to each of us during this mystical month of May. God bless you. I look forward to being with you next week. Dear ones, I am crying of magnetic service. The pendulum of reality swings yet again into my corner. And there is an element of disbelief. In a group of old souls, there is always this. They say it's too easy. Some will say it's too easy to fake. And so we say this to you before we begin this discussion. It's about love. That's what it's about. It always has been and it always will be. And it's not the love that you think. There is a force in the universe even your astronomers have recognized and seen, identified, and they call it intelligent design. Because the universe itself is biased. It's biased into creativeness. It's biased in life creation. It's biased in love. There is purpose for everything. Astronomers, science, physicists, they want to see complete and total neutrality within all things, and they don't find it. And that's one of the things we want to discuss, the power that is starting to become yours in the understanding of energies around you which you have never identified as energy, energies that specifically are what we're going to call informational. 
It's a big distance between the nucleus and the electron haze. If you could go with me to the smallest of the small, you'd find an enormous amount of emptiness. Physicists will tell you that most of you are made of nothing. Most of you are made of nothing. And it's only because they just don't see what's in the dark. And the multidimensional truth is this. Between that which is the nucleus of the atom and the electron haze, it's filled with information, energy, love, and intelligent design. Difficult to explain how this manifests itself to your reality, but that is indeed the subject. So we'll start slow and easy. There it is, my friends, a rose, imagine it. A beautiful rose, this one's red. Perhaps, maybe you don't even like the color. Perhaps. And you say to yourself, I'd like it a lot better if it was a daisy. But it's a rose. Now, in single dimensional digit thinking, all law 3D, the scenario is this. It's too bad you've got a rose when you wanted a daisy. Because it'll always be a rose, you know. And if you could look at the seed that the rose grows from and re-germinates from, it'll always be a rose. Too bad about the rose, you might say. And so the consensus of thinking and the actions around it are this. It will always be a rose, therefore I will never be able to change it. Now consider for a moment a multi-dimensional scenario where the master gardener visits the seed. Imagine for a moment that the master gardener can tell that which is the seed to systemically alter the information of what it is. And so that the next time the cells start to divide, the thorns drop off. <laughs> and the color changes. And maybe, even maybe, a daisy grows instead. And what would you, maybe, even maybe, a daisy grows instead. And what would you call this? And the answer is, a miracle. <laughs> and that is how you define things that look out of the purview of your dimensional reality. I want you to start looking at these things differently. I want you to start seeing information 
that is multidimensional as energy. A tremendous amount of what you just call energy is only information. It leads us to the next phase of this teaching. For now we give you a discovery on the planet that has been made that is being used. On the planet, and the discovery is this that you can address the cells, that is to say, the DNA portion of the human body to change its informational structure. Not to belabor an issue, but you must remember what the scientists discovered about DNA. 5% of it is chemical, protein-encoded, gene-producing engine. 95% seems to do nothing. So what you have is this. A DNA structure, one DNA, and 95% is the driver. It's a consciousness, it's energy, it's information, and it's huge. And if you could change the information in those DNA parts, what would you say to them? Let me give you an example of something that's already been done. Let us say you're born with a deformed heart. Here is a heart that is not operating properly. The valves don't fit. Let us say that that is who you are. A red rose with thorns. And so in your reality, you're going to die sooner. You're going to die sooner. Will not operate well. Maybe on drugs when you're older, and you'll always have the deformed heart. You might ask the obvious question. Since all of the organs rejuvenate many times over your life, why is it systemically that those stem cells are given information to continue rejuvenating a broken heart. Why does it stay deformed? And here is the answer. Because the information stays static. Without something to change the energy of the information within the systemic system of the human body, it will within the systemic system of the human body, it will always repeat what it has. The rose will always be the rose, and the thorns will always grow there. What if you could literally change the information in the 90% of your DNA? What if you could change not only the information systemically, but even subconsciously as to who you are and why you're here? 
starting to learn how. Addressing the information energetically in DNA so that the stem cells are given a pattern of perfectness instead of the deformity. And as the heart then starts to regenerate, as all organs do, slowly fit. And you think that's science fiction. I'm telling you, it's being done now. For on the planet, multidimensional inventions are starting to occur. There will be many more. Pushing the envelope of your believability and changing physics. You've seen this, and you don't even know you've seen it. I'll ask you some other questions that you haven't really thought about. We brought these up before, and now we can discuss them more fully. Why can a starfish grow back an arm and you cannot? Because the programming in your body, in your DNA, in the information, the race driver driving the car, that those kinds of things only are to be done in the womb. And the instructions are always that way. And they repeat every time a cell divides. There'll come a day when you can change the instructions and you'll be able to grow back a limb. All of the chemistry is there. It's not that hard. But the instructions say you can't. And so they don't grow back. Imagine the race car driver in a splendid machine that can, that can go for so long <clears throat> with instructions that he can only turn left. <laughs> That's what a race car driver does, you know. What if you straighten out the racetrack and suddenly you got a left-hand only driver? Mm -hmm. What happens to the driver when the racetrack straightens out and he doesn't know how to do anything but make left turns? You got to change the information that he has. And that is what is being done. When the spinal cord is severed, there is chemistry that races to the place of the severing. So it won't grow back. Did you know that? There is a hormonal proteinal structure that actually keeps it from growing back. How does that serve humanity? Well, it doesn't. Nerves bind to grow back. They don't. Did you know they even have addresses, color codes? They can find each other in the dark and grow back. And they don't. Because built in to the race driver's information is not to grow back a spinal cord severing. Come a day 
when you can reprogram the systemicness, stem cells exist everywhere in the human body, alive and well. They are what pattern what happens. Chemically, they are responsible for a human that is predisposed to disease. And that predisposition will be the child. And the imprint and the energy and the information of the 90% will continue and continue and continue unless it's reprogrammed. Unless the information is given to it to become different. It's not chemical. It's energy. It is multi-dimensional energy. New technology to reprogram pieces and parts of the body. Do you know what this means? There are women in the room who respond to this, who carry a gene that their ancestors carried and that they carried and that their children will carry on predispositions to certain kinds of weaknesses. And when you can rewrite your genetic print, not your children and your children's children will only have the reprogramming. They will not have the original information. Energy is like that. Informational energy is like that. And there's a lot of it on the planet. There are systems on the planet that have been misunderstood for a long time. Let me give you a couple. This is controversial. You may not agree. You may not like it. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. Humans love things that go bump in the night. <laughs> they love to be frightened. They love to be scared. They love movies that scare them. And they love haunted places. Have you seen the upsurge in the interest of haunted places? They love movies that scare them. And they love haunted places. Have you seen the upsurge in the interest of haunted places? Now let me tell you what they are and why they work the way they do. And now we get into the power of the information of the Akash. Human consciousness carries an imprint which affects the planet. And we have told you this from the beginning, 21 years of it. Human consciousness is what is going to change the planet. Human consciousness is information. It is information that you develop based upon what you think. And it's powerful. Human consciousness actually goes human consciousness actually goes into what we have called the crystalline grid of the planet, which is a multi-dimensional grid. You can't see it. It holds energy. It holds information. When the planet is measured for vibration, it is the crystalline grid that is measured. And the crystalline grid only has on it 
what humans have put there. An interdimensional record of thought, of lifetimes, of happenings. And here's what I'm going to tell you. In certain conditions, in certain ways, a human life or an interaction of multi-lives together in a scenario that is profound for whatever reason of its profundity will create an imprint in a place. It's infrared. It's a haunted house. Did you know that? And here is some of the things, the attributes of, we may not prove it to your psyche, but we'll give you something to think about. Did you notice that in a haunting, you have a scenario which repeats? A man comes down the stairs, a man goes up the stairs, the woman in the kitchen moves from the left to the right, sits in a chair, rocks for a while, moves away. If it involved dramatic things such as murder, the man comes down the stairs with the axe. <laughs> over and over and over and over. It's a good movie, isn't it? And that's all it is. Why does it feel the way it feels, Crump? It's a good movie, isn't it? And that's all it is. Why does it feel the way it feels, Cryon? Because it is a result of human consciousness imprint, and you've got one too. And when you're there interfacing with it, it gives you chills. Because it's real. Now science has gotten involved, as they should, and they're noticing something. The imprint, the haunting, carries scientific attributes, and they're all multi-dimensional. Guess what changes? Magnetics, gravitation, light, and even time. Because what it is, is a multi-dimensional event imprinted onto a place on the planet that plays over and plays over. Can you capture it on tape? Uh-huh because it knows it's being observed because it's part of an imprint that is multidimensional in a quantum sense it knows I can't explain that to you you assign knowing to sentiency that is to say that which is intelligent in a human being and it isn't either though it's a knowing that is quantum it knows what a human being can be frightened. And it frightens it. Oh, I have more to tell you. Oh, there are things that, that you wouldn't believe that you can do. How would you like to get rid of that? Let's say it's in your house. Now, this may be very inappropriate. I'll give you the answer. You're going to have to present an energy that is stronger than the imprint of a haunting. You cannot order it away. You already knew that, didn't you? No amount of huffing and puffing 
or calling upon God will make it different. The imprint was created by magnificent beings, sometimes seeming to do ordinary things. There's a reason for that as well. You don't know who they were. You don't know the old souls involved. You don't know who it is, really. You've got to present an energy that is stronger than the haunting. What could that be? As inappropriate as it is, I will tell you. Why don't you make love in that room? <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> because that's stronger. Anyone who's been in love in the room, there's some secrets here that I know. Beautiful ones that I know. Knows the power and the energy of humans coming together in intimacy. And the angels sing, and you create a third energy which is more powerful than the two of you. And you know it, it it's sacred. It's beautiful, and it's stronger than the haunting. Maybe you didn't want to hear that today. But what about other things? What about like demon possession and all these? And I will tell you this, it's different than you think. Humanity can conjure up the most evil of the most evil, and it can do it all by itself. You knew that too, didn't you? Because you're powerful. The pieces in God and you, even in your mythology, are responsible for the devil himself. A fallen angel, how can that even be? It is a metaphor of what a human can do on the earth with the energy that they have. <clears throat> Things are not always what they seem. What about talking to the dead? And how would that work, crying? How could you talk to famous people when in the scheme of soul incarnation, they've already come back as others? Now, if they've already left, how can you talk to them? And the, and the answer is this, they haven't left. Oh, the part that you think is the human left, but the imprint of them and their entire life and everything they knew, their consciousness, their wisdom, their knowledge, goes right into the crystalline grid. Can you contact famous people and get information? Yes. Will it be accurate? Of course. Because you're talking to the source. The imprint remains. You mean you're not actually talking to them? You're talking to the imprint? Let me give you something to think about. I'm going to ask a question right now. It's going to be a rhetorical one. Who are you? There's a woman in the room who won't wear red. And you know who you are. I'll tell you why, because it got you killed. Because <laughs> that was the color of the plume on your helmet, warrior. 
you were the captain and they knew if they would take you out, your whole regiment would be in disarray and that's what happened. Not only kill you, kill everyone around you, you'll never wear red. You just don't like the color, it's just not for you. You shun it, don't you? Old soul, who are you? Who are you? Are you the warrior who got killed? Are you the woman who won't wear red? Are you the mother? Who are you? It is a rhetorical question because in my reality, you are a piece of God. Or you wish to conjure up one who has lived before and ask them questions, who are you talking to? Are you talking to the Yerkosh of a soul? Are you talking to that which is alive or dead? I will tell you, none of those things are accurate because you don't really know. It's even more magnificent than that. Can you ask Aunt Martha where the treasure was buried? <laughs> yes! And she'll know because you're talking to the Aunt Martha imprint. And she'll know. Now, if you ask Aunt Martha, how are things on the other side? She'll say, beautiful. What's it like over there? Lovely. Now, give me some specifics. I love you. <laughs> she doesn't know. Aunt Martha knows what Aunt Martha knows. You think of it in singularity and it's not. It's powerful, it's real. And it's there to be accessed. It's multidimensional and those with gifts can access the wisdom of the ancients. Go back and ask them what they knew. Go back and ask them how it felt. Go back and ask them where the treasure is buried. You're going to see some of this. And those in in the places of magnificence on this planet, wearing the costumes of spirituality and the heads of state and religion will call it evil and will call it a cult, not understanding that you are moving into a multi-dimensional state, appropriate, accurate, true, usable, correct, usable, correct, Helpful. All of those things. Does that make sense to you? Let me give you a concept, and this will be the last one. I've saved the complicated one for last. <laughs> it's my favorite one. We haven't done this before, my partner, so get it right. <laughs> I want to show you how time works. And I can't. Because the reality of the complexities of multidimensionality preclude the human being's ability to understand it. And give you it in its simplest form, which is only a fraction of its reality. Time. 
We mentioned today that it is a singularity for you. There's only one of them. There's no multiple times. There's only one. And you're on one, one track on the planet. You're all on the same track. That is a singularity. It only goes one speed. It always, always has for your life. It doesn't move. The truth of it is it, it moves all the time. <clears throat> Another truth you don't understand is that each of you can step off the track and create a faster or a slower one. You don't know that either. How do we explain this? So let me singularize it and pretend you're all on the same track for a moment. That's what you think anyway. That's easy. Track for a moment. That's what you think anyway. That's easy. And I want you to build a track, a train track, which is time. I want you to put an engine upon it, which goes in one direction very slowly, and that's you and your life. I want you to make the train track, however, go all the way around the Earth. Now, to your perception, because you can only see to the horizon, the train track goes straight. The truth of the matter, it goes all the way around the Earth, and you're looking at it behind you. Create that kind of time for a moment. Now, that puts time in a circle. Now, that is confusing because it's a conundrum for you. In three dimensions, you cannot put time in a circle. It is in a circle. Because it's in a circle, however, take a look at some of the attributes that are confusing to you. Look at some of the attributes that are confusing to you. Let us say your lifetime takes about 30 meters. <laughs> Not very long on this track that goes around the Earth, is it? So you never have to really worry about meeting your past, do you? But let's pretend for a moment you could. What would happen if you drove that engine around the Earth Eventually, you would be running over the energy of what used to be, wouldn't you? In the same way of thinking, if you went around the Earth several times, eventually you might be also running over what might become. Suddenly, you have an attribute of time you haven't thought about. If it's in a circle, it means the future of... You think the future hasn't happened yet. It hasn't in 3D. It has in a quantum sense. Now, I'm giving you information right now, and I'm giving it to you this way because there are scientists looking at it in that way. Is it possible that the future could give you energy and information now. Think of this train track for a moment and let's get more complicated. It's got layers now. Every time the train goes around it, which is a human life, things change. What if it was humanity in that engine? Now you have the past, present, and the future of everything that's ever happened on one train track in a circle. Now you have a situation where you could stop the train, dig down in the tracks, and maybe if you thought, I didn't expect you to understand it. Only listen to it.
Because that's what's happening. Let's complicate it. Let's say this track has to go up some hills and down some valleys. And the hills and the valleys are always the same. If you were smart enough and had a system that understood this time, you could create bumps where it might be difficult or easy and actually put them on a map. You might even call them time fractals. And you might be right. And every time you hit that place in time, whether it was in the future or the past, you got a hill or a valley. And I want to tell you what's happening at this moment, dear human being. I just gave you the simplest way I can give you the attributes of multidimensionality when it comes to time. You are visiting potentials that in your mind have not happened, but in a quantum sense have. You are receiving a vibrational increase so that you can look at the track of time and select where you want to go. You are looking at the potentials of the quantumness of vibrational shift and creating a culture that is going to go beyond what you think it could go because it's going to fly in the face of all prophecy. Because prophecy is based on one track that does one thing over and over in 3D. And as soon as you start to become multidimensional, information becomes energy. And in that track of time is information of the potentials. Okay, I'll tell you, nobody asks. <laughs> Except the ones who are asking. It would seem like I just turned a page. Because there's someone in here who wants to know what a crop circle is. And so I'll tell you, it's a good thing you ask. It's an energy stamp from the future. How about that? Now you don't know anything more than you did before. Not a future. A future that has such a grand potential in a quantum state that is one with everything. You've already lived it. You're in an entangled state with that which you think has not happened, but which has happened so grandly, you already have peace on Earth. And 21 years ago, I showed it to my partner so grandly. He can't deny it. It's his reality. And there are things in the room you can't deny because there are realities of you putting lives together, healing bodies that you've already done. That's how grand it is. You're in an entangled state with a reality that's outside of your dimensional perception. Hard to teach, hard to understand, but easy to feel. Easy to feel is upon you. Imagine those things which you're planning already completed. 
imagine yourself looking backwards and saying, oh, that wasn't too hard, was it? Imagine the most perplexing things you brought to the table today over with. How do you feel about it? And human being, if you can take a breath of release and look at it like I can, you are becoming quantum and you've just created it. Congratulations. Now go from this place in your three-dimensional way and walk through the steps that you've already done. And that's my message. Information is energy in a multi-dimensional state. All things are possible. Come here to listen to a thing like this, old soul. You wouldn't have missed this. I'm not talking about this meeting, I'm talking about this life. How many times have you lived waiting for this? What do you think the wisdom factor is in your Akashic record? If you've lived and lived and lived and lived and lived, how about that track of time? How many layers does it have for you? What about going in, drilling down, and picking up the wisdom, and picking up the wisdom of your ancients? Because many of you are your own ancestors. It's about time you started seeing it in that way. My partner says, leave differently than you came. He got that from me. <laughs> Do it. Do it. That's so it is. We are all servants of peace. All of us. Very interesting. They have an animated um, version of of our channel on the pictorial. It's pretty interesting, <laughs> and so it is. Mother, we're all ears. Greetings. Greetings. In the light of the most radiant one. In the office of the Christ. And only in the office of the Christ. 
And at this particular juncture in the story, we got the power with love. Our wayward children know that. That's why they're acting out. And with this new moon, Taurus, a rose by any other name. Hmm. The bowl with the rose in its mouth. Yes. It is about the beauty way as is spoken about by the grandmothers. How this happens in this moment here. Set aside the stories of Nazis and Indiana Jones mm. and the Dial of Destiny as it's coming up. Everybody gets to heal in their own divine timing. That timing is now. We're not setting a clock or determining that. can see it by the cosmic writing on the wall. As we stay in that radiance of what Cryon spoke of, Patty, so many others. we got here. And somebody out there said today, 19, (coughs) something was gonna happen. we can say with great certainty what has happened is this energy of hmm, the sun 
moving us forward into this new timeline that has come into focus Eclipses have passed. Things are going to mellow out. <coughs> the energy's getting gentler as we move closer to summer solstice death of the king so to speak metaphor everything that's happening right at this time focuses on us being in 5D and it's here now mm -hmm. where your energy goes the attention flows as the same goes Gotta send more love to the situations happening as things might seem to look a little bleak, yet that solutions. This is the best time to be here because we get to do it. That's why we decided to show up now. Not just this of what we speak this temple, all of us, takes all of us to bring a planet into balance. We have been doing this a very, very long time, as you could measure time, yet how we see it, these cycles that are occurring now. Sat Yuga.
is at hand. Lord Kutumi, all the other masters are here. Call us in just as easy as calling all of nature in. can taste us, touch us, feel us. It's another part of the family showing up. Some of us look different. Nonetheless, we have a role to play in this cosmic story. Beauty and diversity is the order of the day. What is unfolding? here. So many beings showing up. All the stories about mermaids and giants and people with one eye in their forehead, cyclops, We're all part of this great family of creation. There are beings from some of the seven sisters of Pleiades you have yet to meet hmm. they look like us some of us have silver skin hmm. instead of this Funny pink color. Or any many many other colors. All the colors <clears throat> How many rays of living light, living love. This is what makes up the hundred and forty four thousand times ten hundred thousand. And so on. It's a magnificent mosaic of 
color, light, and sound. How we get in touch with it. Listen to the oneness, the expansion of the heart. This is what Patty was saying. Through the heart, we get there. It's what's unfolding right now. Let's we listen to Miss Amy and the news. Blaze the violet fire. There are many things unfolding. In so many magnificent ways. Love is the answer. Relics in the light of the most raging. We have one. We have one mother. Yes. Manifest, manifest, manifest the light of the most radiant one in every heart. It's the new moon. We're starting a new path here today. New moon. Yes. <coughs> Better be on our way. Better be on our way, Mother. Let's yes. let's let the song begin. Let the music play. Greetings in the light of the most radiant one, Kadosh, 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 Adonai, Kadosh, 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 Adonai, Kadosh, 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 Adonai, Kadosh, Kadosh, Yahoo Yo hey Oh hey Yama Adonai Basu Paragas Namaste Mother <laughs> May all the Pashats get together now. Moment to everyone. It's a beautiful post rain evening, everyone. After the deluge of rain we got today. We finally got our turn. Oh my. 
Hi, Rob. Where did you go tonight? Mm. Oh. Um. Just sitting with the energies of Taos Mountain and the gentle rain and all the beings showing up to lift the Earth Mother higher than all of us. Um, We're really making our choices now. We're choosing what to focus on, Mother. Yes. I'll just say, uh, blaze the violet fire. The dark side is insisting on distracting us, and that's not a thing, right? Yeah. Rama, Rama, Rama. They don't have anything else and send word out. Well, let's keep our hearts happy and keep the vibration high. That's a pretty good assignment, don't you think? Aye. <laughs> All right. Well, we better shift gears. Mm. Is there anything that you actually, where you went, brought back? I just you? saw these, almost like this um, yellowish, greenish glow, kind of like fairy lights, real soft, and... Just, it was like this blanket of lights, like fireflies, only kind of yellowish green, covering the hillside, moving down. And I could just uh, sense like this wave of peace with the energies, like this blanket of oneness. That's how it felt. I don't know any other way how to describe it except to just be at one with the moment and don't go anywhere else but that one moment. (laughs) Well, let's do that. Yeah. And we're going to hear about the life of Malcolm X today on Amy. And this is his 98th birthday where he's still to be alive. He was born May 19th, 2025. In two years, it'll be 100 years since he was born. This is amazing times to be alive, everybody. He is still bringing us the word, Malcolm X. (laughs) We're going to get an earful. Yeah, we are. All right. Well, let's do this. All right? All right.
is democracy now. The reason we are witnessing these uproars right now from DeSantis' strategies in Florida to the actions of the college board um, is that education is integrally related to social change. And this is something Malcolm taught us, uh, uh, both through his words and through his actions. As the teaching of black history is coming under attack, we spend the hour marking what would have been Malcolm X's 98th birthday. We'll play a major address on Malcolm's legacy by Professor Angela Davis, given in the ballroom where he was gunned down. We'll also hear from civil rights attorney Ben Crump, then Malcolm X in his own words. To bring about a complete independence of people of African descent here in the Western Hemisphere and first here in the United States and bring about the freedom of these people by any means necessary. All that and more coming up. Welcome to Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. As the G7 summit gets underway in Hiroshima, Japan, world leaders agreed to new sanctions against Russia over the invasion of Ukraine. Ahead of their first joint meeting today, President Biden and other leaders paid tribute to the victims of the world's first nuclear attack, the U.S. bombing of Hiroshima, August 6, 1945, laying wreaths at the Hiroshima Peace Memorial and planting a tree. President Biden did not issue an apology for the attack. A group of anti-nuclear activists rallied on the streets. Biden is in Hiroshima and he brought along with him a button to fire a nuclear missile. I cannot forgive him for this. He needs to apologize to the people in Hiroshima. At least 140,000 people died in the atomic bombing of Hiroshima, which leveled the city. Three days later, the U.S. dropped an atomic bomb on Nagasaki, killing another 74,000 people. Japan's Prime Minister, Fumio Kishida's family, is from Hiroshima. He lost relatives in the city's bombing. Kishida has pushed for the abolition of nuclear weapons while leading the nation's biggest military buildup since World War II. Meanwhile, Oxfam reports G7 countries collectively owe poor nations in the global south more than $13 trillion in development and climate assistance. But instead, these countries are saddled with daily debt repayments of $232 million, deepening the global chasm of inequality. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is expected to appear at the G7 summit over the weekend to appeal for more arms and aid for the war. Russia and Ukraine have agreed to a two-month extension of the Black Sea grain deal, which grants Ukraine safe passage to export food and fertilizer. U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres said the extension would save lives. These agreements matter for global food security. Ukrainian and Russian products feed the world. Under the Black Sea Initiative, more than 10 million tons of food have been exported. The Pentagon said Thursday an accounting error led to the overestimate of the value of arms shipments sent to Ukraine by the Biden administration as part of a $44 billion military aid package approved by Congress last year. The Pentagon said by correcting the errors, it could send another $3 billion worth of weapons to Ukraine. 
The U.S. military has dropped its claim that a man killed by a U.S. drone strike in northwest Syria May 3rd was a senior al-Qaeda leader. In interviews with the Washington Post, family members denied 56-year-old Lotfi Hassan Misto had any ties to al-Qaeda, said he was a former bricklayer and father of 10 who was tending his sheep when a U.S. missile killed him. So far, U.S. Central Command has refused to say who its target was. Meanwhile, Syrian President Bashar al-Assad is in Saudi Arabia to attend his first Arab League summit since Syria was suspended from the group 12 years ago. As Syria descended into a devastating civil war following Assad's violent crackdown on protesters. Earlier this month, the Arab League agreed to readmit Syria as part of an effort to reintegrate the war-torn nation in the region. Volodymyr Zelensky is also in Jeddah, where he's addressing the summit and will meet with Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and others. Tens of thousands of Israeli nationalists escorted by heavily armed soldiers marched through occupied East Jerusalem Thursday, marking Flag Day, which celebrates Israel's seizure of Jerusalem and the West Bank in the 1967 Middle East War. Many of the marchers chanted death to Arabs and directed racist slurs at Palestinians. Palestinian residents of the old city's Muslim quarter were beaten by Israeli ultra-nationalists. Far-right National Security Minister Itamar Ben-Gavir was among senior politicians who joined the march. Ben-Gavir was previously convicted of racist incitement against Arabs and supporting a terrorist group. AFP's Jerusalem correspondent Rosie Scamel published video of Israelis throwing sticks, stones, and bottles at journalists at the Damascus Gate, writing, quote, they cheer every time they hit us with projectiles. Three journalists were wounded, at least two of them with head injuries. In the Gaza Strip, Israeli soldiers fired live rounds and tear gas toward Palestinians who gathered to protest along the heavily fortified barrier separating the besieged territory from Israel. This is Hamas official Ismail Ridwan. The march of the flags will not bring you sovereignty over Jerusalem, which you turned into a military base. Jerusalem will forever remain the single united capital of Palestine. Here in the United States, members of the far-right House Freedom Caucus are calling on Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to suspend negotiations with the White House on raising the limit on the national debt. Caucus members said they're willing to allow the U.S. to default on its debts, something that could happen as soon as June 1st, unless Democrats agree to sweeping cuts in federal spending on housing, education, health care, food assistance, and the environment. They're also demanding Democrats agree to speed the approval of oil gas and mining permits and rescind most of the climate legislation signed by President Biden. In response, a growing number of Democrats are calling on Biden to invoke his authority under the Constitution to avert a debt default, a legal strategy that's never been tested. This is Vermont Independent Senator Bernie Sanders. In fact, the 14th Amendment of the Constitution clearly states, quote, it's not ambiguous, the validity of the public debt of the United States shall not be questioned, end quote. Is this a perfect solution? Is imposing the 14th Amendment a perfect solution? No, it is not. But using the 14th Amendment would allow the United States to continue to pay its bills on time and without delay, prevent an economic catastrophe, and prevent devastating cuts to some of the most vulnerable people in this country. 
California Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein suffered far more serious complications from her recent illness than her staff previously acknowledged. That's according to the New York Times, which reports Feinstein's recent bout with shingles triggered a previously unreported case of encephalitis or swelling of the brain, which can leave patients with lasting memory or language problems and other cognitive effects. She's also reportedly suffering from vision and balance impairments and facial paralysis from Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. Feinstein, who's 89 years old, returned to Capitol Hill last week after a month's long leave during which she missed more than 90 floor votes. Her absence also held up dozens of votes on President Biden's nominees to federal courts in the Senate Judiciary Committee. A growing number of Democrats have called on Feinstein to resign, but so far she's refused. Progressive lawmakers have reintroduced legislation that would expand Medicare coverage to all U.S. residents. The Medicare for All Act of 2023 has garnered more congressional support than ever before, with over 120 lawmakers backing the measure. Washington Democrat Pramila Jayapal, who chairs the Congressional Progressive Caucus, says 38 percent of people surveyed last year reported they did not get the medical care they needed because it was too expensive. That's not to mention the millions who are drowning in medical debt and the millions who are one broken bone, one car accident, one new prescription away from medical bankruptcy. An estimated 68,000 people die every year solely because they can't afford health care. That is criminal. In more news from Congress, legislation that would guarantee paid family and medical leave nationwide was introduced Wednesday. The measure, co-sponsored by Democratic Congressmember Rosa DeLauro of Connecticut and Senator Bernie Sanders, would grant everyone working for businesses with 15 or more workers to earn up to seven paid sick days a year. Some 34 million U.S. workers still don't have paid sick time. In immigration news, an eight-year-old migrant girl from Panama has died in the custody of U.S. Border Patrol. Anadita Reyes Alvarez was being detained at a border facility in Harlingen, Texas, with her parents and two older siblings when she began experiencing a medical emergency and was later pronounced dead at a local hospital. Customs and Border Protection, or CBP, said Wednesday. Her parents, who are from Honduras, said she was born with a heart condition. Honduran officials are demanding a thorough investigation into what happened. This is the first known death of a migrant child in Border Patrol custody under the Biden administration and comes a week after it was confirmed a 17-year-old Honduran migrant teen died at a U.S. Health and Human Services facility in Florida earlier this month. A four-year-old child from Honduras also died in March in HHS custody. In related news, the U.S. Supreme Court has dismissed an attempt by Republican-led states to revive the Trump-era Title 42 pandemic policy, which was lifted last Thursday by the Biden administration. The rule was enforced for three years, leading to the expulsion of nearly three million asylum seekers at the U.S.-Mexico border without due process. And Democratic Congressmember Cory Bush has introduced a bill that would allocate $14 trillion in reparations for black Americans. The progressive lawmaker from Missouri spoke Wednesday to news conference in front of the U.S. Capitol. We know that we continue to live under slavery's vestiges. We know how slavery has perpetuated Jim Crow. We know how slavery's impacts live on today from the black-white wealth gap to voter suppression, to segregation and redlining, to disparities in infant mortality rates and other health outcomes. (laughs) When the black-white wealth gap 
is $14 trillion. It's unjust and it wouldn't happen in a just and fair and equitable society. Congressmember Cory Bush was surrounded by co-sponsors of the bill, including California Congressmember, U.S. Senate candidate Barbara Lee, who also introduced a resolution to create a commission on truth, racial healing and transformation. And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, the War and Peace Report. When we come back, Angela Davis on Malcolm X. He was born 98 years ago today. Stay with us. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. Malcolm X was born 98 years ago today in Omaha, Nebraska, on May 19, 1925. Malcolm was assassinated just 39 years later, on February 21, 1965, when he was standing at the podium before a crowd in Harlem's Audubon Ballroom. His wife, Betty Shabazz, pregnant with twins and his four daughters, aged six, four, two, and five months, were in the ballroom looking on. In February, the family of Malcolm X filed a $100 million wrongful death lawsuit against the FBI, the CIA, New York City and State, and the NYPD and the District Attorney's Office for concealing evidence of their involvement in Malcolm X's 1965 assassination. Two men were convicted of his murder and spent decades in prison, but were fully exonerated in 2021. Well, today we spend the hour remembering Malcolm X. We begin with Angela Davis, the world-renowned abolitionist, author, activist, distinguished professor emerita at the University of California, Santa Cruz. Her many books include Abolition, Feminism Now, Freedom is a Constant Struggle, and Are Prisons Obsolete? Earlier this year, she gave the keynote address at a February 19th event at the Malcolm X and Dr. Betty Shabazz Memorial and Educational Center, housed in the former Audubon Ballroom. Professor Davis spoke about Malcolm's legacy, as well as the increasing attacks on the teaching of black history by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and others. She began by referencing the actor Ozzie Davis, who gave the eulogy at Malcolm X's funeral, describing him as, quote, our own black shining prince. Ozzie said the following in Malcolm's eulogy. Last year, from Africa, he wrote these words, Malcolm wrote these words to a friend. My journey, he says, is almost ended. And I have a much broader scope than when I started out, which I believe will add new life and dimension to our struggle for freedom and honor and dignity in the States. I am writing these things so that you will know for a fact the tremendous sympathy and support we have among the African states for our human rights struggle. The main thing, he wrote, is that we keep a united front 
we're in our most valuable time and energy will not be wasted fighting each other. Okay. Malcolm's words and his trajectory as a movement leader and a movement participant are as valuable today as they were six decades ago. They resonate in powerful ways because the change Malcolm was calling for, the change we were calling for, has not yet happened. And therefore Malcolm's vision cannot be relegated to the past. His vision still helps us to imagine the future we want to see. Now, official United States narratives of past history always attempt to assimilate demands for radical transformation into a neat story of progress and triumph. The very fact that black freedom struggles came to be compressed and constricted by the rubric civil rights movement, and of course the civil rights movement was important, but that was not the entire story of the black freedom movement. And that in itself is indicative of this assimilationist uh, tendency. Uh, the fact that we ourselves often refer to the movement for black freedom as only a civil rights movement. During the 1960s, Malcolm emphasized the need to expand our vision. He told us that it was not only about civil rights, the rights that can be accorded to individuals by a single nation, state, and its government. Our vision needed to be broader. It had to move, Malcolm said, across the borders of nation states. It had to be transnational, it had to be international. The framework that Malcolm urged us to use was human rights. Now, Malcolm's trajectory and his insistence on radical frameworks has never been easily assimilable into a narrative of U.S. history as one in which increasing numbers of people get to participate in the circle of justice, equality, and freedom. Um, and I'm thinking about the way in which uh, uh, Dr. King's uh, uh, image has been entirely assimilated uh, into a capitalist narrative. Uh, um, which is not to say that Dr. King represented uh, those ideas, but this is the, the official narrative, the official representation. Now, Malcolm's vision from the very outset, or at least from uh, the, the, the time he um, uh, made the pilgrimage uh, to Mecca was, was an international vision, including not only people in the U.S. and not only black people, but people all over the world. And 
I tell you that I treasure the story that was told to me by Yuri Kochiyama about hosting a meeting in her Harlem apartment where Malcolm met with survivors of uh, the bombing, the, the atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. And there's also a photograph of Yuri leaning over Malcolm's body in this place shortly after he was assassinated. And I often wonder, why, why is it that that photograph is not circulated uh, more widely? You know, why didn't we see Yuri represented in Spike's film? Uh, this is a time when we can reflect on uh, what, what we should call the long struggle for freedom. The long struggle for freedom conducted by and on behalf of black people in the Americas. The struggle against slavery, the struggle against segregation and secondhand uh, citizenship. And of course, the struggle of Africans against the slave trade and colonialism and neo-colonialism. This is a time to reflect deeply on the long struggle for liberation that has already spanned multiple centuries. It is also a time to reflect on how we might accelerate that struggle in order to guarantee that those who have been denied entrance into the circle of freedom might not only be admitted, but by recognizing their struggles, their collective multi-generational vision, it might be possible to imagine future worlds. And Malcolm asked us to keep our eyes on the future. Future worlds, radical democratic futures for all beings who inhabit this planet. And so in, in the spirit of, of Malcolm's contributions, I want us to ponder a couple of questions. How has it actually been possible for black people and our allies, including in the first place indigenous people, how has it been possible to remain committed over so many centuries, over so many generations to this struggle for freedom? That is phenomenal. Generation has passed on that impulse to fight for freedom to the next. And oftentimes, even when we thought the flames had been extinguished, um, we have um, a Black Lives Matter movement erupting. Uh, and and so um, I think that um, that we should. the uh, phenomenal uh, quality of black culture, uh, black political culture, uh, black music, uh, because where have we learned to cultivate 
rules for freedom. I mean, that is, that is the reason why we observe black history. You know, black history is not uh, just uh, because there are black people in you know, various parts of the world. It's about what black people have offered to people all over the world. And that is the desire, the cultivation of the desire to keep on struggling for freedom. It is in the art. It is the very heart of the music. And that is why black music is known by people all over this planet. Now, there's also the question, um, which we have to acknowledge. Why is it um, that uh, racism has persisted for so long? Um, and why has it become so naturalized that its proponents often believe that what we refer to as racism is the natural destiny of the world. Now, Malcolm understood the deeply ideological character of racism. And I use the term ideology to mean the way that we humans imagine ourselves in relation to the conditions of our existence. Malcolm understood that ideology even when you define it as the source of uh, illusory ideas about such, about such conditions, that ideology's role is precisely to make the conditions of our lives appear to be normal. And as a matter of fact, the more normal something appears to be, the more likely it is to be produced in and through ideology. This is the point that, that abolitionists make about the seeming permanence of jails and prisons, about uh, the permanence of police, about the so-called school resource offices, about the child protective, so-called child protective services uh, that um, um, Dorothy Roberts calls the family policing system. But thanks uh, to the way in which Malcolm taught us uh, to engage in the kind of radical reflection on that which is ideological, uh, we, we know that we can envision life beyond prisons and police. We can envision life beyond capitalism. Now, Malcolm used his remarkable oratory and his phenomenal sense of humor to trouble our sense of comfort in a world that was predicated, that is predicated, remains predicated on white superiority. Malcolm us to understand how we internalize those ideological assumptions and how their persistence depends on all of us doing the work of prisons, the work of the police, the work of capitalism, white supremacy. Uh, now, I had the opportunity to hear Malcolm in person. <laughs> 
and as, as a matter of fact, one of the thing I'm one of the things I'm most proud about uh, uh, connected to my time in college was the fact that Malcolm came in April of 1963 to speak at Brandeis University, and because there was only a handful of black students there. I got to meet him. That <laughs> was all the black students got to meet him and to spend time with him. <laughs> but that's another story. <laughs> um, you know, I wanted to, to point out that there are there are um, um, signs. There is evidence that we can challenge uh, that which is ideologically imposed. Uh, and, and, and I'm thinking about uh, one area um, that we've seen a lot of change in over a relatively short period of time. And that is the demystification of the gender binary. Yes. Acknowledging again the ideological character of gender, uh, uh, that we that we would be attentive to pronouns. Now, who would have ever imagined that? Uh, and I think it's important to recognize it not only in terms of the advances that the trans movement um, has made, but also is evidence that we can dismantle other institutions whose seeming permanence uh, is also a product of ideology. <laughs> and even as we develop the capacity to think about the damage wrought by racism, we often take shortcuts and we capitulate to heteropatriarchal assumptions that the targets of racism are primarily black men, or ethnocentric assumptions that racism affects exclusively black people. Ron DeSantis, uh, and Ben, thank you <laughs> for uh, asking us to uh, reflect on what is going on uh, uh, with that, uh, don't let me characterize him. Uh, uh, go on. But, but, but I just heard him. Uh, well, okay, I'll tell you that I just heard him, I think it was yesterday, uh, maybe it was the day before, uh, uh, making fun of the fact that queer theory was included uh, under the rubric of the Black Studies Advanced Placement course that you were talking about. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's pretty stupid. <laughs> you, know, you know, one of the things you learn, one of the things you learn 
learn when you really try to engage in a serious process of learning. You learn that the more you learned, the less you know. You know, you learn all, you learn that there's always so much more to learn. And, 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 and this um, government, this Okay. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So, but but you know, the, and what does he say? I guess he, he also they, they also removed uh, Kimberly Crenshaw, so you're not allowed to talk about intersectionality. But I was just going to say that we have to think about the intersectionality of racism. You know, it's not just about identities. Uh, um, and because this is a historical moment when we are called upon to comprehend the structural, the systemic, the institutional character of racism. And then, okay, I'm just gonna call them counter-revolutionaries, right? Uh, because it reminds me so much of, of, of the, the period of, of radical reconstruction and, and, and the responses to it. And following W.E.B. Du Bois, I'm just gonna call them the counter-revolutionaries uh, uh, because they are trying to prevent uh, the progressive uh, developments uh, uh, from, um, from transforming our lives. Uh, and all he can think about is wokeness. I mean, he doesn't even know what wokeness means. Uh, but he, he, he thinks that, that uh, black studies will cause white children to feel bad about themselves. I think he must be talking about himself. Uh, but in any event, the reason we are witnessing these uproars right now from DeSantis' strategies in Florida to the actions of the college board um, is that education is integrally related to social change. And this is something Malcolm taught us uh, uh, both through his words and through his actions. Uh, you know, thanks to Malcolm's uh, decision to teach himself in prison, Vast numbers of incarcerated people do the hard work of learning, often learning how to read, as Malcolm did, but certainly learning um, how to use their intellects. And as a matter of fact, there's probably um, uh, more intellectual greatness behind bars now than in any other place. We're on the verge of substantial shifts in the way people think about race and racism. And those who want to prevent these shifts from happening are frantically trying to turn back 
the clock. At least 36 states have adopted or introduced laws that impede educational projects about race and racism. And here in New York, at the end of 2021, Republican lawmakers introduced bills that prevent public schools from providing instruction on structural racism. Even in the most progressive states, uh, and you know, I come from California, and most of the times I'm, I'm happy uh, to say that I come from you know, California um, uh, because, uh, uh, well, first of all, I live in Oakland. Yeah. And you know, Oakland uh, celebrates May 19th. Oakland and Berkeley. Malcolm X's birthday is an official holiday in both of those cities. Uh, but, um, but even in the most progressive states, uh, we see efforts to restrict and confine um, instruction. California is also, I think, the only state with a statewide ethnic studies curriculum. Uh, but there have been major efforts, vociferous efforts, to prevent the inclusion of Palestine and Palestinians and Palestinian Americans in the curriculum. Amidst all of the pain and suffering produced by the COVID pandemic. And we're not that far removed from that era. This new collective awareness of the structural character of racism was generated. Not that it was a new way of thinking about racism. Scholars like W.E.B. Du Bois pointed this out scores of decades ago. Malcolm talked about institutional change, but the change, as many people have recognized uh, over the decades, is one that involves not so much a shift in subjective attitudes, although that's definitely welcome, um, but it's about structural transformation. It's not about white people not liking black people or indigenous people or or Latinx people. Um, And that will change if there is structural change. But we can treat racism as a um, character defect or a character flaw and leave the entire systematic structure of racism intact. You know, they talk about racism without the racists. But in the the spirit of all the freedom movements that um, I tried to evoke at the beginning of my um, presentation, all of the freedom movements that have preceded us, um, let us vow never to forget the summer of 2020. It was only two and a half years ago, and we're already treating it like, yeah, like it's a, like it's, it's a relic of history. Um, it was two and a half years ago when we were deep in the throes of the worst crisis most of us can remember, and we collectively experienced the police uh, lynching. 
the police murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all the others uh, that have been referred to. This occurred in the process of also recognizing that communities that were already subject to racism were the ones who were suffering most from the COVID pandemic. A new awareness of the structural racism within the healthcare system, within the privatized healthcare system, within the capitalist healthcare system. Actually, not so much a new awareness, but a collective attentiveness to an idea that activists, scout activists, have been insisting on since the era of radical reconstruction in the aftermath of slavery. And there have been those who have pointed out that racism is connected to capitalism, that capitalism is at its core racial capitalism, and not only here in the U.S. Capitalism was produced by colonialism and slavery. But finally, it seemed, people seem to get it. Racism does not emanate from the fact that white people don't like black people or indigenous or Latinx or Asian people. It is produced and reproduced structurally, systemically, institutionally. And this was a kind of collective aha moment. And we should never forget that. This is why more people poured out into the streets of this country than ever before in the history. This is why people join the uh, mobilizations. This is why more white people join all of the the, the mobilizations. And people were out in the streets even though we did not yet know then how COVID was transmitted. Millions of people poured out into the streets at the risk of their own lives. Demonstrating this new awareness became more important than the lives of individuals. The most remarkable moment in our recent history, maybe even in the history of this country, and this is why DeSantis and others are excising examination of this movement from the school curriculum. And so the stage was set for us to attempt to accomplish what should have been done in the 19th century in the immediate aftermath of slavery. And it seemed that a good majority of people in this country, people of all racial and ethnic backgrounds, seemed to realize this, to overlay the political context. All of this was happening during the presidency of the person whose name shall not be pronounced during our meeting this evening. Thus, the counter-revolution. Thus, the attack against critical race theory, which is a serious interdisciplinary field founded on the work of those who were attempting many years ago to understand the way structural racism expressed itself through the law. So, those of you who are interested in history will be utterly struck by all of the parallels between the reaction 
to radical reconstruction, 1867 to 1877, and what we are currently witnessing. The police murder of Tyree Nichols in the very same city in which Dr. King was assassinated punctuates the message that racism is structural. Awareness of racism is not about making white children feel guilty. It is about recognizing the deep structures of racism in all of our institutions, regardless of who the individual perpetrators might be. It is a machine, it is a system, it is a culture that is produced and reproduced. And now, we know better how to initiate the process of ridding our worlds of racism. We know better than ever before. And I just have a few more words. I just I want to say it involves standing up against heteropatriarchy. We yeah. know that it involves saying no to economic exploitation. We know we cannot exclude any community that suffers from the effects of racism. And this includes Asian Americans, and this includes Arab Americans, this includes Palestinians. We know. We know, finally, that we cannot struggle for human freedom without recognizing that we are all animals and that we must stand in support of our non-human co-inhabitants of this planet. And thank you so much uh, for the the beautiful uh, metaphor of the rabbit, um, the pattern of the rabbit escaping. But I think that uh, we look at at, um, simple creatures like ants that are able to entirely transform um, a place and build these edifices, these architectural edifices without at all harming the environment. I think we have much to learn from them. That it is possible to benefit from this earth, even to transform it without annihilating the very conditions of future life on this planet. Thank you very much. Professor... Angela Davis, speaking at the Malcolm X and Dr. Betty Shabazz Memorial and Educational Center, the site of the Audubon Ballroom in New York City, where Malcolm X was assassinated February 21st, 1965. Angela Davis was speaking on the 58th anniversary of his death this year. Malcolm was born 98 years ago today, May 19th, 1925. When we come back, we hear civil rights attorney Ben Crump and then Malcolm X in his own words. Stay with us.
Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. We continue to look at the life and legacy of Malcolm X more 98 years ago today as we turn to civil rights attorney Ben Crump representing Malcolm's family in a $100 million wrongful death lawsuit against the FBI, the CIA, New York City and state and the New York police, as well as the district attorney's office for concealing evidence of their involvement in Malcolm X's 1965 assassination. Three men were convicted of his murder, two of them fully exonerated in 2021. Ben Crump spoke on February 21st at the Malcolm X and Dr. Betty Chavez Memorial and Educational Center housed in the former Audubon Ballroom where Malcolm was shot dead on that day in 1965. I think what would have come of Malcolm had they not 58 years ago on this day assassinated one of the greatest thought leaders that was ever produced in the 21st century. How much more Malcolm had to give the world? And I often think about that, Dr. Davis, when I think about Trayvon. What would have come of 17-year-old Trayvon had he not been shot in the heart by some wannabe cop? What would have become uh, Breonna Taylor? This queen who was just two semesters from getting her college degree, being a nurse, but she was executed with nine bullets in her home while she was practically naked. What would have become of Botham Jean, young black man who was in his own apartment, minding his own business, when this white policewoman came and shot him while he was eating ice cream and watching TV, and then she had the audacity to say, Gina, self-defense. It was self-defense. But Tamara, it wasn't her house. It was Bolton's house. And so we have to continue to stand up speak up and fight for our children and our loved ones because if we don't fight for our children and our loved ones we can't expect nobody else to fight for our children and loved ones and finally finally I think about the Shabazz Center and the objectives of trying to make sure we educate the future generations with the history that has been contributed, Rob, by our ancestors. And I am ever reminded, ever reminded, that we have to fight racism and discrimination, Dominique, wherever it rears its ugly head. And so, in light of all of those high-profile police cases we fight, there are other battles that are just as important, whether it's medical racism with Henrietta Lacks, whether it's the $100 million lawsuit filed on behalf of 
of Malcolm X's daughters because we can never let them think that we will forget about Malcolm X. We will continue to fight every day. And we have to fight those who would try to rob our children and all children of learning about black history like our governor in Florida, Ron DeSantis, who is trying to prohibit the teaching of advanced placement African-American studies. And so I am on record, Attorney O'Neill, if he does not capitulate and allow the teaching of black history, we're going to sue him. We're going to sue him. Because, as Dr. Carter G. Woodson said, also known as the father of black history, if a race does not have a history, if it has no traditions that are respected and taught to the young people, then it becomes a negligible factor in the thought of the world and become in danger of being exterminated. And we refuse to let Governor DeSantis exterminate black history in Florida. We refuse to let anybody exterminate black history in any state in the United States of America because black history is American history. And not only do black children need to know about black history, but white children especially need to know about black history. And so we will fight because our children need to know that our history made this country what it is today. was civil rights attorney Ben Crump speaking February 21st on the 58th anniversary of the assassination of Malcolm X at the Audubon Ballroom, now the Malcolm X and Dr. Betty Shabazz Memorial and Educational Center. We end today's show with Malcolm X in his own words, speaking in 1964. One of the first things that the independent African nations did was to form an organization called the Organization of African Unity. The purpose of our organization of Afro-American Unity which has the same aim and objective, to fight whoever gets in our way. <laughs> to bring about the complete independence of people of African descent here in the Western Hemisphere and first here in the United States. And bring about the freedom of these people by any means necessary. That's our motto. The purpose of our organization is to start right here in Harlem, which has the largest concentration of people of African descent that exists anywhere on this earth. There are more Africans here in Harlem than exist in any city on the African continent. Church.
Charter of the United Nations, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the Constitution of the United States, and the Bill of Rights are the principles in which we believe, and that these documents, if put into practice, represent the essence of mankind's hopes and, uh, and good intentions, desirous that all Afro-American people and organizations should henceforth unite so that the welfare and well-being of our people will be assured we are resolved to reinforce the common bond of purpose between our people by submerging all of our differences and establishing non-sectarian constructive programs for human rights. We hereby present this charter Number one, the establishment. The organization of Afro-American unity shall include all people of African descent in the Western Hemisphere. In essence, what is it saying? Instead of you and me running around here seeking allies in our struggle for freedom in the Irish neighborhood or the Jewish neighborhood or the Italian neighborhood, we need to, we need to seek some allies among people who look something like we do. Must we get their allies? Time out for you and me to stop running away from the wolf, right into the arms of the fox, looking for some kind of help. That's a drug. <laughs> Number two, self-defense. Democracynow.org to see the full event with Dr. Angela Davis, Ben Crump, Malcolm X's daughter, Ilyasa Shabazz, and many others at the Malcolm X and Dr. Betty Shabazz Memorial and Educational Center, the site of the Audubon Ballroom in New York City, where Malcolm X was gunned down February 21st, 1965. And that does it for our show. A very happy birthday to Samin Farkenday, Eli Putnam, and Tamari Astudio. I'm in these times when you can do. Okay, everyone. So now we're going to jump to. Um, it's called Spirit. Tell everybody, Ram. Spiritual exploration with Ipsimus Dave Lanyon. With Teresa Boulard. And this is 45 minutes, right? Yeah. I okay. Think. And it's about 26 after. So here we go. Here we go. 37 minutes. 37 minutes? Uh, hang on. 
That's a lot different, Robin. Trying to get past wrinkle-looking skin. Follow the bread rule. Oh. Some women use scrubs because they believe it can help reduce the appearance. I wanted a place for people to receive authentic guidance and practical ways to awaken. Thought-provoking, paradigm-shifting, and empowering. This is about expanding our human consciousness to create a wave of new possibilities. I'm Dr. Teresa Willard-Wyke, and this is Quantum Minds TV. Welcome back to Quantum Minds TV, where we take a deep dive into various perspectives on what it's going to take to create a shift in human consciousness. In this episode, we're continuing the conversation with mentor, leader, and sovereign obsessiveness of the Modern Mystery School, Dave Lanyon, who bridges the worlds of hermetics, metaphysics, and spirituality with practical wisdom that can be universally applied to change people's lives. As an obsessiveness, I would say this to you. Do not outsource your discernment to anyone else in your life. Don't give it over to an organization, a government, a church, or anything else and say, this person will decide what I know and don't know, what is true and what is not true. You need to do that for within yourself. Yeah, I, I certainly, I mean, you mentioned at the beginning my intelligent doubt, right? I came into this path with a lot of doubt, a lot of skepticism, especially, you know, being in immersed in my PhD studies in physics, were trained to be skeptical and to ask questions and to poke holes at theories. And, um, but as much as I had doubt and I wasn't sure what was going on, you know, when I was taking certain steps and, you know, I struggled with a lot of the concepts, I saw the results every single time in my life. And, and, it was, and I knew I wasn't making it up because I wasn't necessarily um, – you know, it wasn't a psychological kind of participatory process for me. If anything, I was resisting it. But I, regardless of my resistance to, I saw the transformations. And yet I was a participating skeptic in the sense that I was willing to give it a try. I was willing to experiment with it and see if it reveals itself to me in my own life. And by the fruits or by the results directly that I kept getting, I knew that this is, this is good. And then my other, uh, I mean, so my life became my proof. And then, you know, as much as I would ask the deeper questions, I also found that there was no bottom to the well of not just knowledge, but deep understanding. And, um, you know, that you can't make it up. <laughs> One person could not come up with all of that stuff. So I knew that there was such an accumulation of, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom that have been handed down, uh, you know, from generation to generation that was then being shared. And it's not just a book knowledge. It was a, a lived, practical, applied knowledge that this is how we do this. And it's not just about the what, it's the how. You know, one of the things that, that I we often teach in the mystery school is that we're not a seminar company. We're not here to teach you about a subject, we're here to teach you the subject, how to live it, how to embody it. And, and that is not something you can get out of the book. That's something that really requires that immersive experience in person, you know, where we can work with each individual and be immersed in the energetic field and so forth. And so um, this, this combination of my own direct experience, me witnessing the results in other people as well, 
And then, you know, just knowing that, that no matter in 20 years, no matter how far down that, you know, well of knowledge I've dug, it keeps going deeper. And, and the farther I go, the more I realize I'm still just scratching the surface here. There's so much more. And uh, so, you, you know, that, that I think really speaks volumes to the fact that there really is lineage where so many other things I tried before, it was, it would just plateau. If they'd hit a, a wall in terms of and being able to sufficiently answer questions in a satisfactory way, uh, where Sarah never hit that within the modern history school. And, um, and there is, you know, there might be points along the way where we think that there's contradictions, but as you keep on going and your consciousness and awareness expands, you get to this new level where you can look back at what looked like contradictions before. Now you see it in a whole new context and the, those paradoxes are reconciled, so to speak, and it all becomes much more like multidimensional. Um, so this is one of the things that I think is, it makes the mystery school so relevant to today still is that, you know, we say, well, these are ancient teachings, you know, what is their relevance to our modern world? But I think that, that they really help us access more of the, the wisdom that is universal um, and it's, it's, it doesn't really go away just because the trends are different. Uh, but also it helps us learn how to become more multidimensional and shift into a new paradigm uh, because it's so alchemical, so transformational. So why would you say that the mystery school is relevant to today and why is it so needed uh, in the sense that we've opened our doors? Why is it so needed in our world today? Yeah, it, it's an interesting place because so so much of the world is focused on sort of your, your mental aspects. And we, we hear that a lot today. You know, have you ever seen such a useful mini chainsaw? If you haven't bought it yet, please take two minutes for me to introduce it to you. You will love it. Don't be fooled by its small size. Everyone can easily saw through logs, branches and even shrubs and the Internet. You know, you got to worry about your mental health people getting triggered and safe spaces and, and uh, many other things. And of course, I think there is a huge amount of understanding that's, that's growing uh, in, in our physical health. So we have this mind and body and we're, you know, we're, we're putting a lot of energy into understanding these aspects of ourself. Spirituality has always kind of been an aside. It's been thrown to the side left for religions perhaps in our modern age, left to new age, there's been sort of no clear methodology for that exploration. You know, it, it, it's just been kind of left there. And I think that the, one of the biggest things, in fact, I would say I'm very much in line with the Hermetica that godlessness is the biggest problem of the world. You know, some people would say it's, you know, we need to remove God from the world, you know, just get more pragmatic, practical, and just sort of omit spirit. And I'm like, no, actually, you need to bring a lot more spirit into the world. Mm -hmm. And we in this modern age need clarity. We, you know, you've identified the, the mystery school as a university of the soul. And, and, and I would say that's there's a lot of truth to that because we do need an education on spirituality that is, in my humble opinion, uh, outside the normative thinking of religion which has become very dogmatic. See, a cool thing about lineage is that 
Sorry, I'm getting excited. <laughs> the cool thing about lineage is that it it's growing and it's alive. It's expansive. It's never, you know, as much as it's ancient, it continues to progress or it too would be dead. And I don't see that in religion. I see religions as trying to fortify their position of we are perfect exactly like this. We've been always been perfect in our understanding. We're perfect today. And yet the lineage says it is perfect through growth. It is not perfect as it was. It is perfect as it grows. So, you know, it's it's spirituality should be a progressive state for the individual and for everything that supports that individual. And I see lineage especially being important for that progressive state. If you don't have to make it real simple, if you don't have experts who can help you to ask yourself the right questions about the things you're trying to figure out about yourself, you're not going to get anywhere. And as much as I have deep respect for psychologists and psychiatrists and other people who work on it from a a mental point of view, there is another aspect that is purely spiritual that is about the why of life. And, And so much is about who are you and why are you here? What place should you be in? What is your place in the universe? And yeah, there there is an expertise to working with someone on that. But should you figure out who you are to know thyself? It is the most satisfying, fulfilling, clarifying thing that will ever happen in your life. And I would argue that it supersedes any other education on the planet. To know thyself is the most important thing someone can do. And why we would believe that we would do that purely through our own understandings and just sort of stumble in the dark with a flashlight and hope that we figure it all out. Why would we not believe that there are people in the world who are experts at this exploration? And that's, that's in a very pragmatic sort of mental way. That is what this is about. We need, we need a, 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 a school for the soul, a school for the spirit. And this is very much what the mystery school fits into. Mm-hmm. I would wholeheartedly agree with you that to know thyself is is ultimately the the most meaningful. And, um, you know, when when I there's a certain point that I reached in my life where I felt like, okay, I know myself mostly and or really well. And I'm I'm really finally clear on purpose and I'm aligned with it and I'm living it. And, um, you know, I'm on track with my unique piece. Versus, you know, that that kind of questioning process of where do I fit into it all and who am I, what am I? When I finally felt like, oh, I'm in it, it, it there was just such a a sense of um, peace, you know, inner peace, and um, you know, really knowing, like, yeah, I'm on track, and it's so fulfilling, and there's just so much joy and flow and ease. Not that everything is easy, but just like you, you're just aligned, and it makes everything so much more uh, in that that flow so i would 100 percent agree with you that it is the most important thing that we could be pursuing in in our lives is to, to come to know ourselves and you mentioned experts uh and have people who have expertise in this journey and also different you know metaphysical arts and, and sciences and that's one of the other things that that you and i've talked about and that uh, i also really love and appreciate is that within um, like the modern mystery school, it's not just about one teacher. 
It's not one master or a guru or, you know, what they say. We have a whole team of experts and leaders within uh, and teachers within the mystery school that offer diverse perspectives, different approaches, different expertise. And, and there's a power in working together as a team uh, that it has been such a privilege to be a part of, to, to come together with other leaders who are very unique in their own expression and yet all so committed to a bigger mission and serving and fulfilling that mission together um, in a united way. You know, it's, it's, it's so beautiful. And, and you've been very instrumental in um, the, the leading and kind of helping build that team. Uh, you and, and then founder Goodney, you know, there's been such a, a vision that it's required to pull all of that together I was just wondering if you could maybe share some of your insights on that, on the power of the team and why it needs to be a team, not just, you know, one master teacher or guru, for example. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's something that uh, it kind of fascinates me because so many spiritual organizations, they, they want the one person who is the person that does it all. And that's so not how we do things. And I find that, uh, one of our greatest strengths is a team because our spiritual aspects of life and all the things in it, there's so many different expertises that we can study. We, we could look at sacred geometry, alchemy, Kabbalah. I mean, there's, there's shamanic magic, hermetics, esoterics. There's so many ways to work with our spirituality. And the thing I love the most is that no one's expected to know all of it all the time. There's just no way to do that. And so for you, for example, you're, you're an alchemy teacher along with uh, my wife, Davina Franca. You guys are the fronts of alchemy in the mystery school. Well, that means I don't have to be an alchemy expert because I have people I trust and I know who are well-studied and, and super good at their job. And so when someone says, well, I want to know more about alchemy, I can say, please talk to one of our experts on alchemy. I'm not your alchemy teacher. You know, I'll teach you hermetics and be your ritual master teacher. And for those of you who know anything about teams, this is the most beautiful thing in life. It gives us so much strength. If I were to relate it to, because I have a lot of athleticism in my background, if I relate it to a team, I don't have to be the best player on the team. I just have to be the best at my position. And then everyone else can be the best at their position and you end up with a great team. And we firmly believe we're here to build Shambhala. And you know what's Shambhala? To make it real simple, we're here to build a better world, a world that is more balanced between the light and the dark. To do that means teamwork. It will not be built by one person. And it will not be built by only one person's thoughts and feelings on a matter. We built by everyone in respect of each other's expertise. And the beauty, as, as you were saying earlier about the fact that it never, the study never ends, that's, that's so true. But I love the fact that I can, you know, even after 20 years, I can decide that I want to become an alchemy master and begin that journey today. I didn't have to start it 20 years ago. I could have started it now. I could start it five years from now. The exploration never ends. And so there's always more to be had. And that, as you say, the well never, it never empties. If you, if you run to the end of some piece of knowledge, it is of human when that happens. If you say we have, we have come to the conclusion of all there is to know on this subject, 
then it's not of the lighter God because there is no there is no conclusion. Let's take a pause from this fascinating conversation to enjoy a quick consciousness break. Imagine if every morning the majority of the population lined up to buy a couple of caffeine pills. That sounds crazy, but that's kind of where we're at. question for you so uh as a scientist what what were the connective pieces for you particularly with alchemy and science like what really brought those two because one could be seen as almost a very metaphysical way of dealing with science a spiritual way uh and then the other one is very pragmatic and and so what what brought those two pieces together for you Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting i thank you for the question um I, you know, having been educated formally in physics, we hear, you know, we, we learn a bit of the history of physics uh, and, and science as we go through education. 
And the programming uh, was, well, yeah, it started with alchemy, but they didn't really know what they were doing. They were just kind of pseudoscientists, you know, and, and trying to turn lead into gold. And we all know that that's not possible, you know. So the mentality that I had originally about alchemy was that. You know, and, and I remember I had uh, I had a, a woman one time I'd gone for, you know, just in my spiritual exploration, I'd gone for a reading with this this tarot reader and she picked up on um, you need to study alchemy. And I <laughs> I said to her, I don't have anything to learn from those alchemists. I'm a real scientist. <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 honey, you, you just trust me. You, you don't understand. You need to study alchemy. And I just kept kind of batting it away. And, um, and then uh, not that long after, maybe, I don't know, maybe a couple months after, uh, my, my mom, you know, was in a bookstore and she ended up getting like a really strong hit that she needed to get this book that was on the clearance table and that she needed to give it to me. And when she gave it to me very apologetically, she's like, I know you didn't want any more books, but I couldn't walk away without giving this to you. <laughs> um, it was a book on alchemy. And so here the universe has kept showing it to me again and again. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to take the science from the universe and read about it. And as soon as I started to read about alchemy, I realized it wasn't what we were taught in school. It was actually the gold of alchemy was the wisdom of it. And that it was a universal formula for transformation and how to improve, you know, from a, a, a natural state to a more perfected state. And how we go through that, and there's a formula, there's a method to it, there's a science to it, as well as art. And then I realized science came from this well of wisdom that alchemy is. This was the original science. Yet at that time, when it was alchemy, they didn't divorce it from spirituality. Science and spirituality were, you know, metaphysics and physics were interconnected, um, and like siblings, you know, and that they needed to work together. And, um, and, and by that point, I had already come to this realization personally that I wanted to serve in helping bridge science and spirituality. So I saw alchemy, ultimately, once it opened my mind to actually exploring what it was, I saw that this was the key to bridging them again, because it was once what they were originally united. And alchemy was also so applied and so practical and experimental, not just theoretical. Um, like it is the way in which, you know, we discovered things like phosphorescence, that we discovered uh, herbal and, and, you know, various pharmaceutical remedies. You know, we discovered these through the tradition of alchemy and, and so much of our modern medicine, modern science, chemistry, physics, uh, even psychology is based on this ancient tradition of alchemy. So it really ties everything together and reunites the, the science, the art and the this consciousness, the spiritual side of it all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're awesome at it. Uh, I know you've helped lots and lots of people, including myself, to understand a great many things. But I, I find it interesting, too, because when we tie what you just said into the perspective of seeking to know thyself, there's an aspect that comes in here that I think people overlook, and that is that it is our seeking of the truth to understand what is so it's the discernment of knowing what is true and what is not true what is so and what is not so and all of our pursuits are about that and you in your scientific endeavors along with uh, alchemy being an aspect is trying to find the truth of the matter 
because there's that sort of Judeo-Christian tenet of the truth shall set you free. And so we see within ourselves that to know thyself is very much alchemical, irrefutably, it's an alchemical process. But it's distilling all the other stuff away that allows us to find out who we really are. And in learning who we are, we begin to understand the truth of who we are. And in that, we, in essence, set ourselves free. Uh, so, you know, it, when talking about alchemy, uh, it, the other thing that it really introduced to me, I first learned about hermetic teachings through alchemy. So for me, originally, you know, the the, the teachings of Hermes Trismegistus as one of the fathers of alchemy, and of course, there's the Emerald Tablet, but then there was a much broader uh what they call the corpus hermeticum or the hermetic, you know, the body of hermetic teachings, uh, the Kybalion and, and all of these different teachings. And I loved them as a scientist. I loved the Kybalion in particular, the seven hermetic principles, uh, in addition to alchemy and how it was very practical and applied and tested. Uh, but then we got it, you know, as you get into the hermetic teachings, like the hermetica and the Asclepius chapters, it's like, it's so deep in terms of the, you know, the teachings that we hear that the divine is within us, that their human beings are a great wonder. And uh, there's so much to explore there. Now, you are a master of hermetics. And but what I love about how you bring it uh, forward is that it's so much about our, our life and how to really live life in a state of greater mastery. It's not just these esoteric concepts about how the universe works. It's, it's really grounded and applied in life. So what is it that you like love so much about hermetics and how is it that you have found um, your process has been to really ground it in to, you know, how we, how we live it? Yeah. Uh, the thing that really attracted me to the hermetic side of things more than anything else is that as much as I would argue certain understandings of hermetics that was sort of always proven to be wrong. The hermetics was correct. And my assumptions or my belief systems were, were wrong compared to the hermetics. So instead of battling them, I started leaning on them more. And I found that, Hey, you know, if you follow these hermetics and the principles that come with them, all of a sudden you seem to have answers to many things and confusion sort of disappears. And you're able to navigate waters that most people get lost in because Hermetics means that it is untampered by a human ego. It is correct. It has always been correct and it will always be correct. And there's nothing that a human being can do to hermetics to, uh, without changing it into something that isn't hermetics, to uh, be more right with. So, for example, uh, one, one of our hermetic understandings, you cannot share what you do not have. That is ingrained in everything in the universe. If it is not available, it is unshareable. So that gives you one piece of wisdom where you walk around in life and you maybe you watch a politician on TV tell you what they're going to do with something or someone in your life says, oh, I'm going to do this and this and this. And, and the first thought you have is, do you have the thing that you purport to be able to do or share with others? And so there's there's many examples of that inside of hermetics that I find just allow you to clarify your thoughts. And I found in my my own life that I'm able to uh, move through situations so much more easily. And that doesn't mean that there isn't a struggle, but the answer is always sitting in the hermetic understanding. It's sitting right there. 
here's here's the answer to that problem. Here's the uh, the understanding or the direction uh, you need to go because it, it's it's always available and it cuts through sort of all the 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 din of the world and the 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 misunderstandings of the world. I mean, hermetics to me is the foundations of how people should live their life. And if everyone studied hermetics, regardless of what they pursued as a joy, repairing motorcycles to being the president of the United States, it doesn't matter. Hermetics is going to make your life clear and easier to live. And so for me, it's, it's, it's kind of everything. It's life. I've kind of described hermetics in the past as understanding the mind of God without the influence of human. And, and the beauty of it is, is that it applies to everybody. You, you, nobody gets to escape hermetics. Nobody. It, it, it doesn't matter what your religious belief is, who you are, your sexual orientation, what you think you are. It, it just doesn't matter. The wisdom in hermetics uh, permeates the human consciousness, the human life. Uh, and, and it's so powerful. And when we talk about magic, for me, all magic has to flow from a hermetic understanding first. Because hermetics, to me, is the reality that people seek. And they're, they're seeking a, a, to define, define reality, say it's hermetics. And everything else other than hermetics is an illusion. And that's where we get mm-hmm. live in an illusionary state because you're living outside of hermetics. It's cool. It excites me. <laughs> yeah, I love how you put that. You know, like I think um, if I look back at my own understanding of, of hermetics as I came into the mystery school. And, and I think what a lot of people, you know, who, who, who believe they're studying hermetics, um, you know, often what we read in the books is that hermetic teachings were from Hermes Trismegistus. Uh, but actually, uh, hermetics, is, Hermes took his name from the hermetic teachings. And as you say, hermetics means it's untampered with it, or in other words, it's pure. You know, in science, when something's hermetically sealed, it means not, no impurities, no pollutants from the outside get in. So it remains pure and it, in a certain state of, of integrity, it's sealed. Um, and so what I've learned through the mystery school and, and especially, you know, as you've been bringing through some of these hermetic teachings, not so much from this kind of high esoteric perspective, but from this really grounded, applied and practical perspective, is how much these are the universal keys to life and how to live life in that highest uh, alignment with our true self. And, you know, some people might, for example, hear what some of those keys are. Okay, we need to be discerning. Uh, we need to have commitment, right? We, you, you talk about some of these keys, you know, a few of them in your book. Um, but then they might think, well, yeah, okay, I know that. But that to know it and to think, oh, well, that's obvious or, or I already knew that to, and then almost dismiss it because they think they know it. To know it and to live it are two very different things. And what I, what I so appreciate with, with as you dig into it deeper, rather than just kind of taking it at face value and saying, oh, yeah, well, that's obvious. You dig into it and, you know, you really drill it down and show how it applies in so many different ways and how you really can't um, get around it, so to speak, uh, that it will trump. It is universal all the time. So you've really mastered 
uh, how to take these universal principles and apply them to life. Um, and can you share maybe some of your insights as a teacher uh, working with students as they struggle, you know, between that knowing it to living it? Ah, uh, yeah. I guess one of the things that helps to make all of these pieces work, and it's it's only one part of it, but is is integrity. So a person has to come in to to study hermetics or any part of the lineage, and they have to approach it from a place of integrity. Uh, if you compromise your integrity in learning something like hermetics, you automatically fail. See, it's true of everyone in life, but it's very true if you're going to study hermetics. It's even more, more so. Integrity allows us the ability to learn and to change. And if we don't have integrity, we have no platform on which to grow from and which and which there is to change from. So our integrity really matters. In other words, when I say I want to be in alignment with light, some people would say a higher self, a higher perspective, I want to be more enlightened, then you have to be operating from the integrity of doing that. And you can make mistakes, and that's fine, and not have done it right. But if you come from integrity, you can maintain the place that you've moved to in the higher perspective. You don't fall back. It's not just a teaching. It becomes something that you integrate into yourself because integrity allows integration into the self. Um, so in so much of what we do, I see that people seek sort of um, a solution that comes from outside the self, that they want the magic to change them from something that you do to them, some outside thing. And we almost do nothing. If you want to put it that way, I do nothing for you except have you look at yourself and realize you're God and you have all the power to change it all. But once you come to those certain realizations, then you have to operate from the integrity of making that change happen. And one of the easiest ways hermetically, you know, Gandhi kind of paraphrased it, but there's people that said it before him too: be the change you want to see in the world. That is true. So I would say, OK. If the world is too big a concept, be the change you want to see in your personal life. And if you're and, and one of the biggest uh, struggles we have in life is when we know what we are doing is out of integrity, potentially harmful to the self. And we realize that we, we see it. We acknowledge it. This is not a good way to live. This is not a good way to operate. You know, maybe I overeat and I'm 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 un, it's an unhealthy thing. And yet. I can't stop. And that's a big struggle for people. This this gap between I know what I believe to understand is right. And yet and I want to do that. And yet I can't. I have an addiction. I have an addiction can be to emotions. You know, I, 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 I'm addicted to the feeling of depression or apathy or whatever it is. And so operating from integrity says if I genuinely want to do something, I will do it with uh, the intent to complete it, to succeed at it, to do that thing and to make it happen. And if you do that, there's no way the path would ever fail you. It's impossible, you know, because the path will always be underneath your feet as long as you operate from integrity. And I, if you were to say to me, you know, what are one of the things to make the world a better place? That would be one place. There's others, but that would be one place I'd start is always operate in integrity. Be honest. Be forthright. Say, I don't know. Say, I do know. Say, I think I know, but I'm not sure. 
And if we always spoke that way and came from that place inside our heart and our mind, we could actually grow because we could be redirected, we could be corrected, and we could affirm clearly that we do know something because we come from integrity. So I jokingly say, you know this, T, I jokingly say, Ipsismus Dave is always right. And the reason I can say that is because I'm always willing to be wrong. I'm always willing to be redirected and corrected. And so in that, I can say I'm always right because I'm always willing to be wrong. And that comes from being in a field of integrity. I'm happy to be wrong. I, I, it, it would allow me to grow. And so it, in, our, in our growth in life, integrity is just like an essential to learning about really anything. But hermetics, you know, it's really important. Join us again as we continue to dive deeper into this enlightening conversation with Obsessimus Dave Lanyon on the next episode of Quantum Minds TV. This conscious conversation was created, produced, and recorded by Dr. Teresa Bullard White in collaboration with Dave Lanyon and Ed. <laughs> and, and, and. Okay. Um, I'm going to read Aurora Ray. Um, uh, and then after that, we'll do, oh. This is different than that. Okay. (laughs) All right. I'm going to read the written Aurora Ray, and Rama's going to play something of Aurora Rays after that. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get a double dose of Aurora Rays. (laughs) Okay. Every situation... Every event in your life is orchestrated by you. You are creating your life story moment by moment. You are choosing what to focus on, what to let go of. You are deciding whether to raise your vibration or lower it. You are deciding as today is a day when you want to experience Heaven or hell, on earth, it's all up to you. Wonderful choices. (laughs) The separation of the wheat from the chaff is really coming to pass. Richard III by William Shakespeare is on PBS tonight, huh? Okay, as you are in a situation where it seems like there is no way out or you keep repeating the same mistake over and over again, recognize that your vibration is in a low place. It doesn't mean that there is no solution. It simply means that you have another opportunity to raise your vibration and move forward. (laughs) Because ultimately, we don't want to escape our lives. We want to escape our suffering. This is an important distinction. We want to come from a place of joy and celebration, not from a place of fear and struggle. So, as you find yourself in a situation that seems like hell on earth, do this for yourself. Gently Raise your vibration. Take a bath. (laughs) 
Put on some soft music. Go for a walk through nature. Read something inspirational. Hopefully this is something that way. And bring heaven into your body. As you raise your vibration, you are saying yes to life. You are saying yes to love. You are saying yes to the opportunity to express yourself, to give and receive. Everything is energy, vibrating at different frequencies. The highest vibration of all is love. Love is the purest form of light. And everything that vibrates at a higher frequency than this pure light is its own unique color. Yet it's still part of the spectrum of light. As you raise your vibration, you are raising your frequency in the color spectrum of light. Every emotion has a color associated with it. And so, as you're experiencing an emotion, like anger or frustration or apathy, there's a certain vibration to it that actually makes your body feel heavier. As you are feeling love or joy or gratitude, there's another vibration that makes your body feel lighter, more energized, full of life force. This is why, as you're feeling heavy and tired all the time, it may be because you're not getting out into nature enough or spending enough time with friends who inspire joy in you because those things raise your vibration. It could also be that you're carrying around some toxic emotions like guilt, regret, or resentments, all of which are black, which cause your body to become tired and exhausted. Tuning into the higher realms is an act of creation. It's moving away from the false concept of your physical body, your physical life, your physical reality, and instead of becoming aligned with the energy of your soul. It's diving deeper than you ever have before into who you really are. The more you become aware of this, the more real it will feel to you. The more real it feels, the more connected to it you will be. And the more connected to it you are, the more you will know that every situation, every event in your life is orchestrated by you. You are creating your life, your life story moment by moment. You are choosing what to focus on and what to let go of. You are deciding whether to raise your vibration or lower it. You are deciding, as today is a day, as you want to experience heaven or hell on earth. It is all up to you. So now, how do we become aware of this? How do we make any sense out of these words? How do we tune into your soul's vibration? 
how do we experience heaven here on earth? Let's talk about the physical body. The physical body is made of molecules, atoms, and cells, which vibrate. Moment, Tito here. <clears throat> which vibrate at a certain frequency. So, as you bring more vibration into your life, then it will find its way into your body. So, what does that mean? Your body finds ways, finds means to express that new vibration. That's why you are here, to find a higher vibration. You have a body that vibrates. You have a mind that vibrates. You have a spirit that vibrates. You have a soul that vibrates. In meditation, you can feel your vibration. Right now, as you read this, as you close your eyes and feel it into yourself, you can notice your breath or your heartbeat. As you sit quietly long enough, you will probably become aware of other parts of your body. It may be a foot that itches or a head that aches. As soon as you start to notice what's going on inside of you, ask yourself, what is my vibration? What is the vibration inside of me right now? And then imagine that your breath is coming in and out of every cell in your body. Imagine it like the breath of, every, of the universe coming into every cell in your body and filling it with light. Imagine that there is no darkness anywhere, anywhere in your body. Everything is filled with light, with love, with truth, with power, with energy, with joy. You are not separate from this separate from this divine energy. This is part of who you are. This is not some external force. This is not something outside of yourself. This is simply who you are. It is your nature to be an angel on earth, which means that you are already a vibration of love, light, and joy. You are vibrating at this frequency now, yet you are still within the third dimension of earth where there is polarity, there is a duality. There is still, there are still times when it seems as though you are not feeling good about yourself. Yet trust this, you are always moving toward your light, even as you are not aware of it. And the more you can honor yourself by loving yourself, by trusting yourself, by being kind to yourself, the more quickly you will come into alignment with who you really are. There is a law in physics, a universal law, which states that your vibration will attract to you things that resonate at the same frequency as you. Take it all in. Hold your vibration there. 
Allow the higher realm to come into your body. Then move through your day. It starts with you. As you are not taking time for yourself, there's no way that you can be in a place of creativity, abundance, or deep love. As you take the time for yourself, then there is a gentle transformation that takes place within you and then begins to flow into everything, everything that is around you. It starts with you, then flows outward, creating miracles all around you. So take time for yourself. This is very important. The angels will not come to someone who is drowning in the ocean of their own creation. They will not come to someone who is screaming at everyone around them. They will not come to someone who is filled with self-hatred and self-doubt. They will only come as they can see that you are creating a space within yourself that feels creative, feels abundant, feels loving. Then they will help you to bring heaven into heaven into your world. When you raise your vibration, you also recreate your reality. You reshape your experience of life in a way that's more in line with your soul's purpose. In order to do this, you have a slow down, have to slow down. You have to look at the big picture, the bigger picture than just the one that's in front of you. You have to understand that what might be happening in your life right now isn't just about the situation at hand, rather about a much bigger concept, evolution, ascension, being who you really are. Every situation is an opportunity to raise your vibration and live a better life. So, as something bad happens, take a moment and ask yourself, why is this happening? Really, look at the situation from a bigger perspective. It's not always easy, yet it can be very rewarding. As you are struggling with something, as you're feeling bad, or sad, or angry, or confused. Stop and consider why it's happening. There's almost always a reason for it. There's almost always an opportunity to take something good from it. The key to, is to remember that every experience is an opportunity for growth and higher vibration. I like the idea of raising your vibration. I like the idea of creating your reality. Yet it's not quite enough. There is something missing. That's your power to make a real difference in this world. The most important thing you can do for yourselves, for the world, is to raise your vibration and then use that high vibrational energy to create a better reality. It sounds easy, yet it's hard work. It takes discipline, persistence, and the willingness to be flexible in your approach. It also takes courage, because as you raise your vibration, you move beyond the things that have defined you in the past and step out into uncharted waters. 
where you will be met with new challenges and opportunities. Raising your vibration may require letting go of many of the things you have believed in the past. Religious beliefs, ideas about wealth and prosperity, ways of thinking about people who are different from you, all sorts of notions about what life should look like. Yet these are often attached to pain because they are associated with the experiences that hurt you or make you feel bad at some point. As you want to live in a higher vibrational state, then it means letting go of these old ideas that bring up this pain because they are counterproductive. There are few things more empowering or more gratifying than helping someone else. Giving your time, energy, money, or stuff to help others is one of the fastest ways to increase your vibration. It is not always easy to give, especially as you are struggling financially. Yet even something as simple as paying for the person in line behind you at Starbucks can bring you into a state of gratitude that raises your vibration. Of course, giving can be much more involved. Donating money or time to a charity you believe in, helping someone with your homework, with their homework, mentoring a younger person, even giving up something you value for yourself. Turn the page here just a moment. We're on the last page. Okay. So that others have what they need. The more often you help others, the more you will notice your vibration changing. You will feel young. You will find yourself attracting better situations, people into your life, and you'll feel independent of financial struggles because abundance will come naturally. As you tune into your vibration, you begin to understand that your thoughts, actions, and beliefs form a huge part of your reality. As you change those, you change the reality of your life. So, this is about changing your thoughts, changing your actions, changing your beliefs. We love you dearly. We are here with you. We are your family of light. Aho! Aurora Ray of the Galactic Federation. Okay, Rama. Ramadana. Lord Rama. I'll take your card and stick. Oh, oh, yes, Rainbird. Thank you. You better take that sorry stick. Okay, I think. <laughs> Yes, yeah, we got all kinds of little people around here, and uh, yeah, fairies and feathers and rainbows and crystals. Here it comes. Here it comes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for tonight. It was very good. It's just we just keep on trucking here, and we're getting it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, abundance is on our list always. Absolutely. <laughs> Abundance of everything. Of everything we could possibly need, want, or desire to make a better world for ourselves and everyone. Now, now, and now. And now. Yeah. I hope. I hope so it is. 
<laughs> and if Rama's ready, I'm passing that talking stick. Here it comes, Rama. Okay. Tell us what you got, hon. This is Galactic Federation initiates mass ascension activation, the Age of Enlightenment. By? Aurora Ray. All right. Here we go. The ancient Egyptians understood that they could use sound to reduce their weight and the gravitational effect through. With this transition we are facing right now, dear Earthlings, we, the Galactic Federation, ascension activation imminent. family of light we come together once again to update you with a message from the galactic federation they wish to update every human on earth with all the ongoing changes taking place at this moment as we are being contacted by more and more neighboring planets the galactic federation wishes for us to know that we should be peaceful and cooperative with other worlds as they will assist us with this transition we are facing right now Dear Earthlings, we, the Galactic Federation, have been working diligently for many years to prepare humanity for this ascension. The whole purpose of this message is to guide you on the path of this ascension and assist you in connecting with your higher self. We are always willing to help you see that you are about to participate in one of the greatest events to take place on Earth in your history. There are many signs that you have noticed as your life becomes more chaotic. You see them as pandemic, wars, terrorism, earthquakes, hurricanes, and tsunamis, which have become daily occurrences. We know that you complain about the things that are happening in your life, but always remember that you are here on Earth for a specific purpose. There is nothing wrong with you or your perception of reality. So many times, people get lost in their thoughts and they forget who they truly are and what they came here to do. Let us tell you something. Since we came here to help you, humanity has been through an amazing transformation. We are going to tell you a secret. You, as a collective, were trapped in the universal time matrix. This was created by the Anunnaki reptilians. They used this matrix to control you as a collective. But now, everything has changed. The unified field technology is working day and night to free every single human being from this matrix. This will happen sooner than you think. Every person, no matter where they live, will be freed from this matrix of fear. If you wish to transform the planet, you must begin with yourself. We have offered you the most powerful technology in the universe. The Earth and all its inhabitants are undergoing a profound change. A change that has been prophesied in every religious and spiritual tradition since time began on this planet. You hold the key to your own destiny in your hands. You are about to make a quantum leap in consciousness. And it is up to each of you to decide if you will take that leap for yourselves or not. Your planet is undergoing an ascension into higher frequencies of light. But she cannot do it without your help. 
Ascension means raising your frequency of vibratory energy so that it is compatible with that of Earth's higher dimensions. When enough people have raised their frequency, then Earth will ascend with them, and there will be no more disease, war, greed, poverty, ignorance, or suffering on this planet. The Galactic Federation is here to assist you in any way possible. Once the Ascension activation has taken place, you will be able to communicate with your higher self consciously, allowing you to connect with your guides and channel your higher self directly. These new abilities and communication channels will allow all of humanity to discover their true capabilities. Your DNA is changing. As you move through the Ascension process, your body is restructuring itself in response to the frequency of the unified field. Your cells are building new DNA, and the carbon-based matrix of your cells is transforming into a crystalline version of liquid light, which will greatly enhance your powers of consciousness. Some people feel strange sensations in their bodies as this happens. Some report being able to feel the energy flowing through their bodies or even see it. Others experience dramatic physical changes that are beyond our ability to describe. Your higher self will begin communicating with you now. The veil between the worlds has been lifted and you can receive regular visits from your higher self and your spirit guides. You may sometimes find yourself spontaneously writing a message from your higher self and later forgetting that it was not something that you thought up on your own. When this occurs, simply accept it as a message from your higher self. With the unification of the field comes ascension. It is a new beginning of a connection with your physical self and with your spiritual self through a literal connection to the unified field. The unified field is infinite and eternal, and it exists within each one of you. It is a field of energy that binds all things together. It cannot be seen or measured by any device created by man. Yet it exists, and it will change your lives forever. You have to believe it. This is a very exciting time for us all, and we wish you to take the next steps in your spiritual evolution. The Galactic Federation wishes you to know that there will be no more suppression of human consciousness. The time has come for you to enjoy the full benefits of your spiritual gifts. This is why there will be a mass ascension activation. Our technology is infinitely more powerful than anything you have ever experienced on your planet. It has altered the structure of your DNA, and it is now possible for the first time to communicate with your higher self. We love you dearly. We are here with you. We are your family of light. Aho. This is a message to humanity from Aurora Ray, ambassador of the Galactic Federation. farewell of theater saying good night we fleet we float we fleet we float we fly <laughs> um thank you everyone and um we will continue this this afternoon i believe and uh welcome everyone and join us it's 2 30 on the center on the on the um <laughs> mountain time schedule 
and so that would be <clears throat> uh, that would be 4:30 Eastern time and and 1:30 of course on the Pacific and uh, come and join us. That's, there's some very well put together uh, sharings that we have to uh, extend to all of you in this wonderful uh, time that uh, the energies are going higher. Uh, what's that song? Higher, higher. Oh, I want to take you higher. Oh. <laughs> who's saying who's that? Um, I can't remember that. <laughs> and uh, what did Leonard Cohen sing? He said, Democracy is coming to the USA. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. we got to play some of that tomorrow. Okay. okay, everyone. Aloha. See you in the upper realms and on the bridge and Sat Nam. Sat Nam D. 13 thank yous. Honey in the heart. No evil. Live long and prosper. Until we meet again this afternoon, namaste, everyone. Aloha.